So, Will Appleton, welcome to the pod. How are you feeling today? Not bad, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah? Yeah, it's been a, been a pleasure. I mean, mm. I think we first talked about this last week when I saw you out in Boston. Yep. Um, told you how I listened to a previous pod and then with the one with Danny Brown. Mm-hmm. And then Ford made mentions and he was on it. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I got I to gotta somehow finagle my way into this one. But thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Glad you could make it. Um, this is the first podcast we're recording with video, um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm a guinea pig. I'm a big, <laughs> a big fan of this one. So yeah, well, we picked you for your pretty face. We it was very intentional. We yeah. had this all laid out, and so like it's a it's a win win for me because if it goes well, it's like wow, look look how well Will succeeded, and if it goes bad, it's like hey, you know what? Like it Will still has a pretty face, so it's gonna it's gonna be a win win either way. Exactly. Um, so I guess let's get right into it what you do for like your career as a living Mm -hmm. um do you want to just kind of give a general overview of your job company kind of what you do yeah so um a long time in the process um (laughs) i i don't know or actually most people would uh kind of know this that i'm a little older for uh the time i graduated college because i stayed back in eighth grade because i went to boarding school um and then when we graduated in 2020 it was kind of the middle of the pandemic um, so with that, it was uh, kind of one of those things that I was like, you know what, not the best time to enter corporate America, kind of bought myself a year long hall pass with my parents. Uh, so I went out to Park City, Utah, I uh, worked at one of the best hotels in the world out there. And then that spring, I was kind of like, all right, I got to figure this one out. Uh, what's something that I'm kind of good at? And I think everyone else can agree upon this, that I can just talk to anyone, including <laughs> a brick wall. And so I kind of yes. led myself to sales. Um, and so right now I'm currently working as a, uh, business development representative for NetSuite, which is kind of an Oracle subsidiary working in small and mid-major markets, uh, for certain companies. Um, and then within that I'm working with kind of existing accounts already. Um, so opposed to the standard, uh, BDR role for short, uh, where you're kind of cold calling or mm-hmm. kind of doing those LinkedIn messaging. Um, it's much more of working with, uh, customers on a proactive level and saying, how can we, uh, kind of upgrade them into certain systems or what else um, are they missing to help them really optimize their business that's got to be much more enjoyable i feel like than working and just like cold calling and on linkedin and shit like that like i've at least me personally my personality does not match that at all Mm -hmm. so that would literally like i'd have nightmares about that um but i feel like having them already kind of in the system makes your job a lot easier and i feel like you're also like providing a lot more value to them. Definitely. Definitely. And as you said, like yeah, cold calling, even for me, I was like, this is gonna be a nightmare. Like, I feel like there's only so many times you can cold call uh, certain people and regardless of them shutting you down or just saying whatever, um, which I've heard some of the kids that I started along with getting of just these brutal remarks um, that no matter how tough your skin is, it's gotta be demoralizing at, at one point uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice kind of working with those existing customers. And so you already know that they're in, in the system. Um, so it's, if they say no, it's much easier of a letdown opposed to them being, uh, saying some pretty nasty things, but it's, mm-hmm. it's nice being kind of that, uh, in that sense and being able to, to view them, uh, and see how you can help, or I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How else you can, I guess, bring value to the, to their company. Um, cause at the end of the day, they're not really going anywhere. So it's nice to kind of provide that little additional, uh, bonus or for whatever they mm. may need. Yeah. Um, and so you say kind of like Oracle, like I feel like Oracle is kind of a well-known name, but 
people don't necessarily know what exactly they do. And obviously you're part of the NetSuite, but kind of what are the different, because it's software, correct? Mm -hmm. So what are kind of like examples of the different software they offer? So it's really everything. I mean, Oracle is, as you said, such a major player in the the sales and kind of computer like systems. So Mm -hmm. it's really kind of a big umbrella term. Um, It's one thing um, I'd kind of compare it on the same thing of like an alphabet to Google. Like it's, much bigger it's a much more wide umbrella term mm-hmm. where it can kind of cast a wide net um, but in the NetSuite side it really focuses on um, a magnitude of systems whether it be just a simple kind of payroll management system um, a customer resource system um, anything from like working with if you're going to international markets working with those currencies and kind of uh, helping able to convert that whatever foreign currency to US dollars whatever currency you work in um, and just being able to provide kind of, uh, I guess, a, uh, a management system on a large scale for certain companies like that, whether it be either simple things of inventory management um, or warehouse services. Um, and if you're kind of working on the product side, because it's really split for my job is either on the services side where it's much more of the kind of intangible goods or your product side where it's working much more with like retail uh, facing stores. Um, so anything of that, like the inventory management and kind of systems like that um, and really it's it's honestly a really wide mm-hmm. wide thing that I could go go into <laughs> for hours right now, but it's try not to bore you. But that's it's uh, to kind of sum it all up. It's a magnitude of things uh, or a magnitude of systems that really um, can cover all facets of a business, regardless of what that business is, um, and trying to ultimately help them grow their business um, and help them optimize whatever their business processes are at that time. Mm. Well, that's that's why we have podcasts, long form content. Exactly, where you can bore people to death with nonsense. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there that would be interested in it. Um, but so going back to kind of, I think you mentioned in the beginning, you said it was like mid to high level enterprise. You mean like companies in that level? Yeah, and so, so like, wh- I, I mean, I'm sure you're not able to like divulge like specific clients. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you are, but kind of like what types of businesses or, or is it anything? It, it really can be anything. I know, um, without getting too much into the details, it can be, um, I know, for example, there are a bunch of NBA teams that currently work on that system. Oh, so, really? Oh yeah. So wow, they, so they all cool. work in like those systems and it can be down to a much smaller system, which are much more. I'm like, assuming the warriors maybe with Oracle arena. <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Um, but they're changing the name on that. No, that's the Staples Center. That's the Staples Center. That's not, we can get into that. We'll get later. into that. Um, but yeah, it's it's anything like that, um, all the way down to some small, like 50-person, brand-new startups that are just trying to get going um, and just trying to get the upper leg in whatever way they can. Um, and I mean, there's so many. I mean, I wouldn't say there's so many, but there are a lot of big figures in that kind of uh, enterprise resource planning market where it's everyone's heard of the Salesforce, the SAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of going along or like, I know a big popular one for like payroll management is like uh, workday or ADP. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very similar to systems like that. And so those are big competitors. Well, um, is workday in Massachusetts? I believe they are. Okay. But I don't, don't want to be quoted on that one because I don't know. I don't, cause I feel like I remember when I was looking around for jobs, I saw a lot of uh, ads for like, there yeah. and i want to say they're in or the, and they had some sort of location Boston, yeah i think I or they have like an office in the area but it's yeah so it's just, uh, companies like that so mm-hmm. but i mean um the companies that are represented underneath 
I guess the customers that are represented underneath those companies, very similar to NetSuite, are anywhere from 10 to 50 employees all the way up to um, thousands of employees, depending on, I guess, one, what the field is that they're working Mm -hmm. in and, I guess, how big their market share is. Um, And then once you get above a certain number of your, I guess, valuation or whatever your market cap is or a certain number of employees, that's when they kind of force you over to the the Oracle side just because of size. And Mm -hmm. they're bigger and better systems, not better systems, but bigger systems that are able to um, kind of handle that uh, quantity of employees or whatever they may be or tasks that are being asked of at that time. Well, that definitely makes sense because obviously if a company has 50 people, that system doesn't need to be able to do as much as someone that has thousands mm-hmm. of people. Like, yeah. You kind of need to build something that... Yeah, and when you have a kind of a smaller company that's maybe making 5 to $10 million in revenue a year, you they're going to be completely blown away when you have a big, massive company doing multiple, multiple mm. millions or billions of revenue every year. And so it's there's no point in kind of... Um, using those things that should be used on the big companies to the small ones, just because mm. it's it's not the right uh, fit at that time. And that's not saying that they can't grow um, to those big major players, but starting off, there's no point in having them um, go up to the big leagues when they shouldn't start out in the minors per se. Mm. And uh, so kind of going back to when you first started, how did you, did you just like kind of randomly apply and go through the application or did you kind of like t- maybe talk to someone within the company or talk to someone in the space that, that kind of interested you in the thing or were you just throwing darts? No. So it was one of those things that, um, I think it was kind of a lot of just, uh, connections of who, you know, mm-hmm. um, and one of my roommates, when I was in Utah at the time, he came out to stay with us and he was, he recommended, I reach out to one of our fr- former coworkers that he worked with, um, prior to when I arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when I used to work, uh, at a hotel in Cape Cod and he said, Hey, you know, there's this kid, Matt, he works at Oracle. Um, if you want to shoot him an email, here it is. Like you can see, see me like reference me. So I did that. Um, then he put me in touch with one of their kind of, I think his manager at the time. And I just had a common like LinkedIn or I looked her up on LinkedIn and had like four or five connections with her just cause I guess we went to the same high school and she was oh, five years above me. Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out well. And then she was able to pass me through to one of those kind of hiring managers or recruiting managers um, and then through that, um, I actually interviewed originally with Oracle and I think they sent me one of those basic questionnaires of why do you want to do this? Like, what are your ideal three locations? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it was like, what's your ideal start date? And it was like three options. And it was like, uh, April, July, and like October. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the guy who's looking, trying to be eager, like really want to start away. So I put like April, July, like October in that order or something. And had an interview went pretty well i thought but not my best or whatever i'll i'll be the first to admit that uh and then she called me back and she says hey bad news um they actually filled up for their um april class do you want to roll to july or do you want to go to netsuite gave me the same layout and everything and she's like they're same great company and everything um but they might have a june start and i was like yep that's totally fine like you can you can roll me to them so I did that, basically had to start back at square one on the NetSuite side mm-hmm. um, and then had to talk with, same thing, a new recruiting manager, go through two interviews and then their final interview, which I've never done before in, like ever had a final interview like this. Um, it was, I believe, uh, 10 to 15 of us on a Zoom, like a group Zoom with four managers, like hiring managers. 
and we all had to go around one at a time saying why we were better than the person next to us on a Zoom and why they should hire us over them. And so it was like one of those first times we've ever been thrown in like, I'm just sitting, I'm in a Zoom with 15 people I've never met before and I'm trying to say why I'm better than them um, and like what separates me from them. And it's like, how do you try and quantify this? When I met these people five minutes ago when I said, hi, my name's Will Appleton, I'm from Durham, New Hampshire. There's, and that's all, I, that's all they gave us. And so we all had to go around like that and then they broke it right after we like essentially roasted each other saying like, <laughs> oh, I'm better than you this, like all this. They put us into these breakout rooms of uh, three or four people and they gave us this random scenario and said, hey, you're going to present it to all of us. Mm-hmm. You have like 35 minutes. And so we then had to work through that, broke it all up of like how we do this random problem for like, same thing, kind of a sales salesy role or salesy role play. Um, and then after that, we went right into, they said, all right, perfect. We're now going to break you into groups of two. Each manager is going to get one group and you're going to split off and you're going to have 30 minutes to talk one-on-one with your manager and they're going to interview you. And same thing right when I got in that one, it was two questions of why should I hire you right now? And, um, what questions do you have for me? And I was like, all right. And so I got through my first question, got through my second question. I looked at my, my watch or I looked at my phone to see what time it was. And I realized that. 25 minutes left and i was like all right time to figure out how i feel 25 minutes of this wonderful woman's life so just uh had some good storytelling with her and it, and it worked out pretty well i guess so uh i don't know what i said i can't really remember that part because i was spacing out or yeah. kind of just one of those weird blackouts but um mm-hmm. clearly she liked me and kind of uh, offered me a job right then and there so it was nice that's cr- i've never heard an interview process like that before yeah that's because cr- i've heard of like people like Amazon, Google, how it's just like hours and mm-hmm. hours and they do all these personality tests and ask you really weird questions. But I've never heard, like, what did people say when you're, it could that initial, like. Yeah. And I think the weirdest thing was, so for kind of backing up a little for your first interview, it's just kind of more of the, mm. the general questions yeah. of like, good to work in the US, all this, whatever. And then that second, I guess, round interview, they send you like, hey, you got to prepare for this, like roll call and it's mm-hmm. basically gonna be essentially a cold call like mock sales call um and like we're just gonna have you run through it with the hiring manager for like the last five minutes of the interview mm-hmm. and the guy i had was like no man like i don't need to do this like you're you're all good like i don't really do this with anyone like it's not good like we're gonna train <laughs> it was like if we hire you we're gonna train you what yeah. we want and i was like all right so i wasted like my whole morning like prepping for this like <laughs> they give you like a paragraph and they're like all right you got to do this and i'm like yeah. all right like trying to overanalyze it like completely um, and I get on guys like just kind of shooting the shit with me for 25 minutes. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like anything else? He's like, Oh yeah. Like, and I, I kind of shot myself in the foot at the time I realized, cause I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'm ready for that mock interview or that mock phone call. And he's like, Oh yeah, man, I, I don't do that. Like, he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I don't do that with anyone I interview. He's like that. He's like, I don't think that's a good like uh, characteristic of who you are. He's like, if we like you enough, we'll hire you and then we'll teach you what to say. Um, and that was actually pretty impactful because I was like, all right, this is, this is a cool thing that I mm-hmm. would not have thought otherwise. Um, and then going forward to that third round, that final interview was weird because I, I definitely, you could tell that not, not, I, I guess metaphorically you say the air was sucked out of the room because who wants to be the first one on zoom to raise their hand and be like, I'll go first. Like, and here's why I'm the best. And I remember this kid went and I was, I was actually pretty scared because all the kids I went with, the first kid like raised his hand right away. He's like, yeah, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, I'm, uh, he's like, I'm a little older than all of you. Um, he's like, my wife's currently at Harvard Law. I just got out of the armed services. 
Um, so he's like, I was active, like Air Force or Army, like all this stuff. And he's like, so he's like, I think I'm, I think I'm the best candidate or best qualified because like I've kind of been well experienced in, in kind of the due diligence that is the armed services and everyone gets to know that. And I just sat there for a second and I was like, oh boy, like I am <laughs> about to be in a world of hurt when I get up there and explain that I took a year off from like a year after I graduated to go have fun in Utah. Um, well, you were working, you had a job. Yeah, but not in the armed <laughs> services. I was in a, a hotel, just moving bags and parking cars and skiing whenever I could. Um, and then the second kid gets up, same thing, really bright kid um, who I actually work with now. He was on my team. Um, and he was, uh, same thing, like was a like econ he was like a double econ finance major um like said all these things and i'm like all right this this doesn't seem like sales to me but this kid could just talk to anyone mm -hmm. really good and then these th a f like a, a few other really good people went where they just had like why they should be better and then i was like all right like i'm just gonna bite the bullet on this one like i'm not gonna be the last one but i wasn't gonna be the first so i kind of just stepped right up and i was like all right i'll go like let's do it and I was very candid right off the bat. I was like, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm the most qualified here. Um, I was like, I took the last year working in four and five star hotels, uh, which are some of the best in the world. And what I've learned from that is just intangible people skills of being able to talk to anyone, communicate with anyone that way. Um, so I was like, yeah, on paper, I'll be honest, like I'd, I'm not up there, but it's kind of those intangibles that I think I have that will separate me from everyone else. And it was just kind of silent. And I was like, for a split second, I was like, that was a really good answer. And then right after that, I was like, that was an awful answer, Will. Like, that was brutal. And I was just, just sitting, admitting just, that you're not good. In, yeah. I was like, that is probably what you're not supposed to do in interview 101. Um, and then when I, when I kind of fast forward to that final interview with the manager, she's like, you know, I was really impressed by your response. And I was like, thank you. Like, I will take that. Um, Ching. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was like fist pumping in the air because it was on the phone. I was like, yep. I was like, thank you so much. Like, I just want to be honest. Like, that's the core mm -hmm. value of mine. That mm -hmm. honesty is key. And she's like, yeah, this is phenomenal. Um, so she's like, yeah, we'll offer you a position if, you, if you're willing to take it. And I was like, sounds good. Yeah. So supposed to be in June. And then um, the same thing, like a recruiting, like the recruiter I had that called me and I was working at the time and she's like, hey, call me when you get a chance. And I was like, all right, like I just messed up with something like they're not going to take me. It's you know, whatever. So I was just going through all the worst scenarios in my head. And then I called her and I was like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, Hey, so good news, bad news. Um, I know you said you wanted to start in June, but June just filled up. We can obviously make space for you, but how does August sound? And I was down on Cape Cod. This is this past summer. I was down on Cape Cod living in a house with three other, three girls, like working at a hotel. And I was like, August, like I can do August. Like, <laughs> perfect give me two months uh, yeah. to hang out and, on the cave and she's like all right you sure and i was like yeah like i actually just moved into this new house like really trying to get settled right now and i want to make sure that when i am settled i can really put my best foot forward with work and like i don't think i can i was like honestly i don't think i can do that in like a week and a half because mm -hmm. that's when she called me and she's like nope totally fine like you're good for august 2nd right i was like august 2nd it is i will see you there <laughs> and she's like perfect like we'll be in touch and i was like i like, got off the phone with her i was like this day could not get any better like, yeah. this is amazing that's awesome. And that's, um, I mean, that's just like a crazy story. Um, and I think kind of like one thing I've noticed as you've been telling this entire story is that they seem to really care more about you as a person rather than like your credentials and things like that. And I feel like more and more companies are doing that, which I think is definitely good because 
I mean, like that guy, I mean, obviously, I don't know him. You don't really know him. But the guy that was in the army and had the wife at Harvard Law, like he could be a complete asshole. Like mm-hmm. you, you really, it's more about the people. And um, I get this a lot in my job and just other walks of life is that if you have the right person that's going to want to learn, ask the right question, is humble, like you, like you admitted, like you don't really have these credentials. Like if you get people like that, you can train them. And it's a lot easier to work with someone that knows kind of like people skills Mm -hmm. and wants to learn and do better and is just not going to show up from work because you can't really train those people. Yeah, and I think kind of going off that point that – Especially with NetSuite, I will give I will tip my cap to them like no other because I feel like most sales roles get that um, kind of the bad rep of you know you're always trying to to get the upper edge mm-hmm. regardless of who it is even within your company sometimes I feel like that's just a, a bad stigma that goes around yeah um, but the thing that I really love about um, NetSuite <laughs> is even with our like teams mm-hmm. and our individual teams that we sure we all have our certain goals that we're all striving to reach individually it's all very much like working together as a collaboration big hey you know what this worked really well for me like maybe you should kind of attack it at this angle Mm -hmm. or reaching out to other people and be like hey how did how did you do this like i saw you were successful in this aspect like what'd you do well and so it's much more of a collaboration opposed to kind of like stepping on each other's throats and be like hey like i'm really trying to get like the leg up on this guy Mm -hmm. or like i know he's on my team but like screw him it's like no like we're all very much like hey like how can we not only better ourselves, but how can we better those around us um, and vice versa of those? Cause it's, it's cool watching like people on your team succeed. I think just oh, in yeah, life, definitely. Like, watching someone like, like do something really cool or like, get a big deal or something. You look at them and you're like, damn, like good for them. Like that's yeah. sweet. Um, and I think a lot of people, like there are certain times I see it. I'm like, shit, like I wish that was me. Like, you mm. know, like what I'll, but at the same time, it's also motivating in the sense, like it's not like a bitterness of like, Oh, that should have been me. But it's more like, I want to know how they did it. And like, I want to like reach into their process and be like, Oh, this is the angle they took it from. And like, this is what went well. And this is how they did it. And just kind of learn from that. So it's a really cool aspect within NetSuite that it's much more, I feel like of the, the communal sense of like all, all for one and one for all kind of aspect, which yeah. is, which is a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, that goes for kind of anything. One person can only do so much you need, whether it's two, three, four five, or like thousands of people, like, they you can accomplish so much more when you kind of have the same mission and kind of like what you said it can be that motivating factor if someone in the same role as you does something like really great you're kind of like oh shit okay i need to kind of get my act together and start mm-hmm. doing things um that way um so we've kind of talked a lot about netsuite but i'm curious about this hotel in utah what okay. was the name of it so it's called the montage deer valley so okay oh i know i it's think up I in, know it's up in deer about. valley yeah so it's right in so park city deer valley is kind of one thing yeah like it's one giant area um and then um i guess park city is like the general area and then just the mountain there's park city mountain and then if you go up a little farther it's called deer valley resort one of the it's the one of the top it's one of three skier only resorts in the u.s behind like it's like Deer Valley, Alta, which is also out in Utah, like 45 minutes from Deer Valley. Mm-hmm. And I think Mad River Glen up in Vermont. Um, so it's those three. Um, but the hotel I was working at was one of the craziest hotel. Like, it is the nicest hotel I will ever see, I will ever be in, um, with not only, like, the celebrities that would come in, mm-hmm. um, but also just the level of service and the expectations behind it were second to none. Yeah. Um, and I think it's all um, kind of – it was. 
at the time when I was there this past winter, I think it was one of the top 50 hotels, like number 37 in the world wow. at the time. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy in that sense. Um, especially when you have like all these A-listers coming in and all these like big, like, like who, um, the Kardashians came in like Travis Barker and Courtney, like yeah. them. Um, and then, uh, who else came in? Post Malone was there. Uh, Does he ski? No, but he just came in. <laughs> he just came in. So he just wanted to come. He was chill. more. He yeah. He was so also within the hotel. They have a really cool like, um, like bar area where it opens up. Like have a live. Like they always have live music playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also have like a, a really nice kind of steak restaurant. And then right below that, um, it's like much more of a family friendly restaurant with like bowling lanes, um, like uh, all those arcade games. I mean, that's like a giant pizza thing. Mm. So it's really cool that. So he, a lot of people just come in for kind of cocktails, like a prey ski. Um, so he was just kind of in the area and he just kind of <laughs> rolled up. Um, but then also we had like Drew Brees came. That's sick. Yeah, he was really cool. Um, and then honestly, the, the coolest people that I always say for like when people are like, oh, who are the celebrities? It's like the celebrities are cool and everything, but it's like the other people that like you wouldn't expect that are like just the, the random businessman or random like whoever they may be out of like I guess for Utah, it was like mainly LA, San Fran and like Texas area. Mm. But like, who are those random people that you or I, they'd walk past us in the middle of the street and we'd be like, I have no idea who that is. Um, it just like, look like, I guess figure out who they were. That was like the coolest thing. Um, and not only was like the level of service, like cool, but then also like the stories I got to see, like these rooms or in these hotel rooms or these, yeah, these hotel rooms or I guess residences, you can call them that were like four or five bedroom hotel rooms that would go for like 25 grand a night. And people, yeah. people would book them out for like 14 days or two weeks. Yeah. Like three weeks at a time. Jeez. Yeah. And there was I mean, the longest, this guy was in a, um, re- he was in a three bedroom, like hotel room, like a two story, like hotel room, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. He was there for 131 nights. He was there from, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like he had, he was there for so long, he got squatters rights. So they couldn't really like, they couldn't kick, they him, couldn't out. kick him out. So he had to leave on his own accord, which was crazy. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, but it was, it was unbelievable with that. Um, so I did that from right at, so I think December 1st last year mm-hmm. um, at, through, um, middle of march early uh, yeah end of march because that's when the hotel closed because it closes okay. for a month they call it mud season where it closes from right after deer valley resort closes and they kind of let because it's like m- maybe like six to eight inches or t- a foot of snow on the ground so you can't really ski it yeah um so they just kind of let that all melt and let the kind of let the like all the ground dry out um and then they open it up for I guess, some of the best dirt biking in the nation or mountain bike, oh, wow. or some of the best mountain biking, sorry, in the nation, um, where these trails are 20 miles long, where it brings you right from the top of Deer Valley all the way into downtown Park City and things like that. So it's it's really beautiful like that. Um, so that was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience that I can say I did. Yeah, that sounds crazy. So how did you even, like, get in contact? Because you're not, you don't really have any, like, connections. No, I have no connections out there. So how it was. You- so it was um, when I was back on Cape Cod, since I worked out there for six years. Chams um, Bar Inn. Chams Bar Inn, yep. Um, so when I worked out there, um, this was last year, so 2020. Um, I went, right when we graduated, I went right down to the Cape because mm-hmm. actually we didn't really graduate. It was like yeah. I took my finals <laughs> from like, it was a, a three-bedroom home with nine of us in it. It was like a essentially like a frat house, yeah. but in like <laughs> a nice neighborhood in Cape Cod. Yeah. Um, so I took it down there. 
And then as the summer progressed, I was like, all right, like I honestly wasn't really thinking about going into corporate America, which I probably should have taken a little more serious at the time. Um, but I think it was like middle of August or early September. I just had no plans to leave, but I was like, all right, I, this, this can't really go forever. Cause, uh, essentially the money just like once the crowd leaves Cape Cod, the money leaves it with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not saying that people don't go there on weekends or you still have kind of the fall, uh, the fall people who come down cause it's also beautiful weather down there. Yeah. Um, but one of the kids who him and I worked together since I first started there in 2016, okay. um, he went to uh, Trinity college in Connecticut. Um, him and I sat down and we were like, all right, we got to figure out something. He's like, Hey, how about we go to Aspen for the winter? And I was like, yes, like that is totally cool. Cause one of the other Bellman that we work with, he said he was going to take a year off from college, go to Aspen, like work at another really prestigious hotel out there called the little Nell. Um, and we were all just going to be bell and he's going to be a Bellman at like their hotel. Mm. And then we were kind of talking like joking one day and I was like, wait, that's, like wait that that kind of sounds sick like we, sounds fun yeah ski all day and then work like at night and we're like all right we should look into this so we looked into it applied to this job in aspen got it and we're like all right we're going to aspen and then i remember he called me one day he's like hey come over to my house um this kid's name is alex and he's like all right and so alex calls me he's like hey come over to my house and i was like all right so i go on over i'm like what's up man he's like so i walk inside he's like all right hear me out let's not go to Aspen. Let's go to Park City, Utah. And I was fully set at this time on Aspen. I was like, told my parents, my parents were stoked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like we told everyone at work, we're like going to Aspen. Yeah. We even committed to the guy. Like we even told our boss in Aspen at the time. We're like, yeah, man, like we're going to Aspen. This yeah. looks great. And he's like, all right, perfect. I'll send over the high work paper, like all this stuff. And Alex was like, all right, man, like hear me out. He's like, all things aside, he's like, I don't want to get political, but he's like, if code flares up again in the winter, um, he's like, Colorado is going to shut down before Utah. Like Utah's a pretty, pretty diehard, like red state. Like mm-hmm. they'll stay open. Yeah. And I was like, all right, man, like that's, that's one thing, but I don't think that's a deciding factor. And he's like, no, like, and they gave me a, a few other things. Like, all right, man, it's better skiing. It's so easy to get to if like your friends or family ever want to come out. Cause Aspen from like Denver is like a five hour drive or something. Cause yeah. there's, you have to go, you always have to fly into Denver and then fly to Aspen. There's no, you can rent a car, but it's five hour drive. Yeah, and you're risking it in the winter with snow and like road mm. closures. Cause that happens all the time out there. And he's like, or it's 45 minutes from salt Lake. And he's like, it's the easiest flight in. It's literally on a major highway. So you're driving right up. It's right off the exit. You drive 15 minutes and you're right in downtown park city. And he's like, they never close that highway, like all this stuff. And I was mm. like, all right, man, like, let's, let's give it a shot. Like, let's try and find something. So, um, there was also, so that's kind of like how we decided park city. And then there are two really nice hotels out there. There's the Stein Erickson lodge and the montage. Okay. And we applied to the Stein Erickson. We're just like, all right, you know, let's just shoot our shot out there. Like, let's just go to one of these two and we'll apply to both. So we started the Stein Erickson, whatever. And then it came out that one of the former bell captains who worked at Chatham bars in before us, like 20, 12 to 2015 or so he was at the montage and he worked out there still and so my current boss at the time is like all right here's his number text him like he knows about you guys he's expecting it so we just shot him a text message like hey man what are the chances we can come out now and he's like he's like the boys from boston will be loved come out like (laughs) say less like sold so we apply whatever and first thing it's like i'm like in the middle of my work shift and they call me right away and they're like hey are you good to interview in three weeks? And I'm like, 
three weeks is a long time. Like this yeah. is to give you an update of the timeline. This is, I'd say end of September, early October. And our lease on the Cape ended like right around Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, so if I don't get this, I'm going home with no job. Yeah. Like I'm going to be hating my life living <laughs> out of my parents, like basement. Um, and I was like, yeah, three weeks is fine. Whatever. Yeah. And at the time, the Stein got back to us right away. I'm like, yep, can you interview in like two days? We're like, yeah, we'll do it. Took both, or we took the Stein interview, went really well. They offered us on the spot, essentially. They're like, yep, like, you guys can, if you guys want to do it, you're, we'll take you. And we're like, deal. Like, send the paperwork, we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. So we get this, like, email correspondence with this, like, the director of HR, one of those HR people out there. She's like, yep, like, sure. Uh, we'll be in touch in, like, the t- next few days i just want to get all your paperwork together like send your your information and then we just and it was like radio silent like we tried reaching out to them nothing and then mont and so we're just like kind of forget about it like all right whatever and i remember one day we're both working me and alex and um we're like oh like shit like we have an interview in like 15 minutes like do we take it or we just bag it and i was like all right man i'll go first you go next like we'll be easy so i go on the zoom and the guy's like first question he asked me it's this the guy's like serious and i meanwhile i'm like a like a, a stained like white polo shirt like a white polo because yeah. i've just been working all day it's like 75 years i'm like sweating like sweating like dripping sweat and uh he's like so you know titus who's our the boss of the time out in utah and i was like uh yeah like pretty good friend of mine and he's like oh i'm gonna duck some points like i hate him and i was like shit <laughs> i was like and he's like i was like oh i was like yeah i hate him too actually he's like no nah, i'm just messing with you like i love the guy <laughs> He's like, uh, he's like, when can you guys start? And I was like, uh, probably right around Thanksgiving, maybe December 1st. He's like, all right, you got housing. And we didn't at the time. And I was mm. like, yeah, we got housing. And he's like, all right, good. Cause we don't have housing for you. And that was like the big stipulation is like finding your own housing. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, yeah, we can do December 1st. We can find our own housing. Like it may be a few days past that, but like, let's ballpark it first or second week of December. And he's like, cool. We'll see you out here. Mm. Like, this kid, Alex, goes in, same thing. Like, he's like, yep, you guys will get it. Calls me, like, 30 minutes later. He's like, you guys want the job? Like, I'll send the paperwork right now. We're like, yeah, we'll send it. Sends the paperwork. We're like, fuck it. We're going to Utah. Um, like, we're going to we're going to Montage. Sign that. And then we, like, sign it. We're like, all right, we're so stoked. And then we're like, all right, how are we going to find a house now? Yeah. And so then it was like, the, that was actually the most stressful <clears throat> time was trying to find a house that was close to the Montage within 15, 20 minutes or so join all those you know the usual all the facebook groups mm-hmm. um and it's like whenever things would be popped up that would like be in like our price range or whatever it'd be like 50 comments right away like dm me like just send you a personal message like i can do this like i'll sign tomorrow and we're like we're not going to do this whatever and as luck has it this one guy posts an article or posts this like beautiful townhome it's like a three-bedroom um, beautiful overlooks right Deer Valley and Park City, like gorgeous neighborhood, like right off the highway, mm. probably like 15 minutes from where we work. Posted it in like 30 seconds, and Alex just happened to be looking at his phone, and he's like, he the guy like put through his phone number down. Alex just he's like, I'm calling this guy. Called him, and he's like, We'll pay right now, whatever it is. He's like, We'll pay right now. Here's who we are. It's five of us at the time. It was five of us. Um, he's like, It's one couple, like joking or like just trying to lie. So the guy would say yes to us. Mm-hmm. Um, like here's who we are. Like we're all college degrees. We're all college edu- educated. Here's what we're doing. Like we all have steady, like st- stable jobs. We can all provide you rent references. Like we'll pay tomorrow for you to take that down right now. And the guy's like, all right, let me check with my wife. Like give me 10 minutes. Yeah. And or he's like, give me like a half hour. 
And within a half hour, that comment, it had like, he kind of lowballed it too for what it was. Um, it had like 150 likes, 200 comments of people like tagging other people, like, let's do this. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, sh- like, we're not like, people are just going to over ask. Like, people are going to be like, mm. oh, this is, it was like $5,000 at the time. And he's like, all right, people are going to, like, people started saying like more money. Like, I'll give you more. Like, I'll give you more. And I'm like, we're just like looking, we're like sweating. Like, if we don't get this, we're screwed. Like, we mm. got nothing. Guy calls us. He's like, all right, you guys are the first call. He's like, I trust you guys. You guys, like, you seem like really cool dudes. Um, he's like, we'll give it to you. He's like, we'll send the lease tomorrow. And we're like, thank God. So signed it through. I'm like, uh, it was like a few small changes. Signed it like a week later. And then I'm like, all right, really going to Utah. So I drove cross country with my cousin, went out there. Um, and same thing. We walked into this home. Like we saw it on, like I guess, all the photos you can see. And you're like, this yeah. is beautiful. And then when I walked in, it was way too nice for what we were living in. It was a beautiful, I'd say, it was recently sold for like $1.2 million. And it was wow. three of us living in there. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this is not what we deserve or what three recent college grads deserve to do to this place. Yeah. But the guy was so cool. Um, he lived, he's like, yeah, I bought a bigger house like right down the road. He's like, if you ever need anything, like let's go skiing together. Um, he was one of those guys who was like 40 years old, but where he's like a 25 year old trapped in a 40 year old's body. Yeah, like he was, he's, exactly like, he's like, you guys want to get some beers? Like let's hit the town. Um, he lived down in Arizona in Scottsdale. He's like, you know, like, like Arizona state, I think is down there. He's like, you guys got to come on down. Like the girls are unbelievable. He's like, I know all the cool bars. And I'm like, you have a wife and two kids. Like you can't be, <laughs> can't be telling me this, but went out there and that was, that's how that kind of started. And so I was out in Utah for the winter. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, it was a long story, but that's, that's kind of, well, it's, how I, it's a great story. Yeah. That's kind of how I ended up in Utah uh, how I got my job out there. And then, um, I guess you could say working at NetSuite now is all attributed to me going out to Utah. Yeah, true. It's how you got it. Um, so you mentioned you drove co- cross country. I've always wanted to do that. I've just like never really had necessarily the time or like the planning skills to do it. Did you just drive straight through or did you stop along the way at all? Um, so I did it two times. Like I drove out there and then I had to drive back. Mm. Um, so driving out there, I did it with my cousin. Um, and she was like a, a saint for it. Um, Cause we, I was like, all right, look, Hey, you just want to do it. Like she wasn't working at the time. She was in between jobs and like, it was, I think she got like, she's like, yeah, I'll take a month off or whatever. And it just happened to be like right after Thanksgiving and she's going to start right after the new year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can, I like literally text her one day, like on a whim. I was like, Hey, hear me out. You want to drive cross country? Like I'll pay for everything. And she's like, I was like, I'll pay for hotel rooms, like food, gas. And she's like, all right, I'll, you pay for Like, she's like, yeah, I'm in. She's like, but well, she's like, I'll pay for the meals. Like I don't yeah. care. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So day one, I it was like 13 hours to like middle of nowhere, Ohio. And I was like texting like random people, just these breakdowns of what middle, like it was like Sandusky, Ohio. And I was yeah. like, where the hell am I right now? Eating at like these weird chilies or Applebee's. And I was like, this is just not what I need. Middle uh, America. Baby. Middle America, like the true Rust Belt. And I was like, all right. But it was like a cool experience for that. And then next day I drove like right outside of Lincoln, Nebraska or like oh, Omaha, no. Nebraska. Um, so that was cool, like driving the Midwest and then seeing everything there. And then that final day, I drove from uh, Lincoln all the way to Cheyenne, Wyoming, which was pretty short, actually. But that was really cool driving, like, the high plains. Because um, especially the, when you're out there, it's literally, like, you and just – it gives you a, a great – the one thing I will say was my biggest takeaway is, like, I have such an appreciation for, like, commercial truck drivers, like, 18-wheeled – like, the truck stops out there were massive. Like, I visited the world's largest truck stop. Where is that? Uh, Ames, Iowa, I think. No, not Ames. Um somewhere in iowa somewhere in the middle of nowhere huh. iowa 
you're just driving on the road and it's like 400 miles world's largest truck stop you know it's 400 no so it's it, like it, they start putting up signs oh so it's like 400 okay, miles from okay. here 400 miles ago world's largest truck stop yeah oh it's davenport iowa that's what it davenport, is okay. and so i just i was like i was talking with my cousin like literally we had a two-hour discussion like what the hell's so good about this we roll up and it is basically the size of Disney World. It is <laughs> Disney World for truckers. Oh my! It is unbelievable. They have like four car wash, like four truck washes. The they have like a Walmart Supercenter, but when you walk in, it's just like a truck stop. So they have like four restaurants, like yeah. twenty four hour like showers, massages, like haircuts, a doctor, like a dentist. Like half the half the thing there is was like, a dentist. Oh yeah, everything. Like a masseuse. There's a game room, a shoe shine, everything, everything you can imagine. Like it would be a trucker's euphoria. Like I walked in that place and I was like, well, what the hell's going on? They had just aisles of just chips. And I was like, I don't even know what half these things are, but this is unbelievable. Like, and then the other side was just like truck parts, like chromed out everything. Mm -hmm. And then on that was like four garage bays where people could just install it for you. Um, and they had like, when I pulled up, I've never seen more 18 wheelers in my life. It was probably, I had to be more than a thousand trucks. And I just like, and you can't like quantify Like you can't quantify that until you actually see it in person. You're like, this isn't insane. Like this is acres and acres of just trucks as far as I can see. And then went to Cheyenne, which was arguably my favorite city driving out West Mm -hmm. just because it's like a really kind of smaller capital city. Um, But like we were right next, we like stayed kind of right downtown, like Cheyenne, which uh, isn't a whole lot, but I I really appreciate it because there are really cool breweries around there. Like it was much more of the um, kind of small city vibe where it was like, you could tell it was a lot more locally owned and kind Mm -hmm. of things like that. Um, and then from there we drove right to park city and then that's how that happened. And then my way back, um, since I was so close to Vegas, I was like, I got to go to Vegas. So of course. when I was like, I left a few days early before the other few people that were out in Utah and I was like, I'm going to Vegas, drove down to Vegas. Had you ever been before? No, which was insane. So right, like literally the day before I left there, I called my buddy Tucker, um, who was in Newport, who's still in Newport. And I was like, Hey man, let's drive cross country. I was like, Take a long weekend. We'll we'll come down to Vegas. Come fly to Vegas Wednesday. We'll both work. He's like Isaac. I have an interview on Friday or Thursday, and he's like I have work. And I was like Friday we can have like a half day. Like I'll just sit by the pool. You work like a half day. Um, and like you just work the morning, and then we'll just like have a fun night in Vegas. And he's like deal. So we flew up to Vegas because flights are so cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, got it there. Same thing Thursday. He, he was working and the nice thing about vegas which i kind of love is the time change like the three hour time difference so like he had an interview or he he was working and he only worked till like he took a half day so he had to work till like 10 o'clock yeah so he woke up at like six worked till 10 and we're like, all right we'll just go sit by the pool and like chill for the day uh kind of go out at night and just kind of explore because we were still like he was pretty tired from the jet lag and i was just kind of tired from driving like mm-hmm. six hours and i was like but friday we're going out same thing friday half day he was done at like 10 and I was like, all right, let's go down. Like, went down to the pool. Had a, like, there was a pool party going on with COVID going on somehow. Then we went out that night, and I was like, this is insane. Like, this is, I love Vegas. <laughs> um, wasn't the luckiest guy. Lost some money. Um, naturally. Naturally. And then Saturday, we were going to plan to leave Sunday. And then Saturday, his boss calls him, which I'm like, why is your boss? He's like, what's up? And he's like, hey, this company he's kind of in a similar sales role. He's like, this company wants to go live Monday and they're mm-hmm. supposed to go live like Friday. And he's like, we need you to like prep all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, also the system's down right now. Like the people are freaking out cause they can't test anything before their go live date in like 48 hours. Yeah. Um, 
and he's like freaking out. Like we're ha- same thing, sitting by the pool. He's like on the phone. And he's like freaking out. He's like, all right, dude, like we got to leave. And I was like, what? And he's like, we're, we got to leave Vegas. Like I got to either buy a flight home or I'll drive back cross country with you right now. And I was like, all right, man, like, you know what? I have no more money, like from what I was supposed to spend in Vegas. Let's drive cross country. And he had to be back Monday at 8 a or Monday at 10 a.m. was his presentation. So I was like, all right, I'll start driving. You throw up a hotspot. You work. I'll, I'll wake you up when I'm tired or whatever you want to sleep. I'll wake you up when I'm tired and we'll just do shifts through the night. Yeah. So I drove from Vegas to Oklahoma city, which was not, it was like 15 and a half hours. Yeah. Did like nonstop driving. Um, drove like all across Texas in the middle of the night. Um, so I got to Oklahoma city at like 5 AM just get, just to get gas. And then almost got robbed in Oklahoma city by a homeless person. Jesus. Yeah. We pulled off like an exit. We're like, all right, this is like, we're like gas station. We had it down to a science, like gas station. One person would pump the other person would run around the bathroom and then just rotate Yeah. or if like grab a snack or something. And we get there and some lady walks up to me right away. Like, like three homeless people walk up and they're like, um, you got any quarters or you got a lighter? And I'm like, no, like, sorry, like just getting gas. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to run to the bathroom, run into the bathroom. The gas station door is locked, but the gas station itself is open. Just yeah. the convenience aspect is closed. And one of the homeless people looks and like around the corner, you got to press the button. And I'm like, what the hell am I about to do? And I was like, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't, but I just walked over there and it's literally like a drive through window and I press it and a guy walks up. He's like, what's up, man? And he's like, we open at five. And I was like, yeah, I just need to go to the bathroom. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can wait till five. And I looked down, it's like four 30 <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I really, I was like not happening. And I just turned back to look and two homeless people are walking towards my boys parking, like pumping gas. And I was like, nope, we're going. Like, thanks for having me. Like, sprint over to my car. I'm like, duck, we're just going. Yeah. It's like, just screw it, screw it. And he's like, trying to get into He's like, some woman's like getting into it with him. I'm like, just get in the damn car. Get in the car. We just drive off. And I'm like, all right, just find me a new gas station. I have like 10 miles to go. I'm not running out of gas in Oklahoma City. Find another one. And I'm like, all right, it's well lit. Next, like a hotel, like a holiday inn. Like, mm-hmm. I can do this. He's like, all right, I'm running in first. I was like, perfect. I'll pump gas or whatever. Pump gas. And there's also a sub, it was a 24 hour subway in there. So he's in there like taking his time, getting snacks, whatever. Meanwhile, it literally feels like the whole homeless population of Oklahoma city, like just arrived. Once he walked in, I have people like surrounding me. Like they pull up to all six gas pumps and I'm just the only one. They're blasting music, like getting out of the car, like yelling at me. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, I have New Hampshire plates. Like I clearly do not belong here. Like, please just let me go. Like people are just like wandering around asking me for money, everything like that. I tried texting him. I'm trying to call him. Realized his phone's in my car. And I'm just like, and he just like walks out like two minutes later, like swinging a bag of uh, Subway, <laughs> like not a care in the world. And I'm like, you're killing me. You fucking you, asshole. Yeah. I was like, you are killing me. Um, got, then we take off from there. He starts driving. I sleep for like two hours, three hours. Um, and like drive through Memphis, drive through all those places, switch off again in Tennessee or Virginia, drive up Virginia, drive up through like new york and everything mm-hmm. and end up getting to newport rhode island in, like 41 hours so we drove cross country nonstop for only like bathroom breaks gas and like food like drive through barbecue in like st louis or whatever or like nashville that's what it was we did st louis yeah we did nashville barbecue at, like some drive through place just threw them like 20 bucks for like yeah. five dollars which we need it just kept driving went up there and then i was like just running on like red bull the entire time and like five hour energies Drops him in Newport, and I was like, all right, now I still got to go home. 
drove to Claire's in Providence, the Claire okay. George's, and just passed out there for like five hours. And I was like, screw it. Like, I'll get home eventually. Drove home and just slept for like the next three days. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's like the craziest thing you've done, or like the most tiring thing? Or um, I'd say like tiring in that sense. Um, just because it was like, it was so cool to see like a a certain like i guess driving cross country both ways like the northern route and then the southern route mm-hmm. um was just so cool to see like places of america i will never drive through again unless yeah. i do that um again because usually i'll just like fly over like i have no reason to f- dro- like fly t- or drive sorry drive to like memphis tennessee yeah there's like, really no reason I, when i can take a flight there that cuts the time by a day yeah um and it's probably cheaper in all honesty um so it's like one of those cool things to like drive through like rural virginia and like mm-hmm like rural Pennsylvania and like kind of places that I would never go through before. Um, and just kind of see just how different and how vast the U S is. Um, even though it's just kind of shares the same coast, like the same mm-hmm. um, side like that. Um, but it was also cool driving through like Arizona and like Texas and legitimately driving through a desert or like driving through where you just have a massive like gas line or gas company or oil company where it's just, a refinery for five miles straight and just seeing cool like things like that so definitely i would recommend it but i would definitely also not do it in 41 straight hours <laughs> that's my uh, one recommendation for you that's good to know yeah i mean it's just one of those things that i've always wanted to do because people say like oh you should travel because it like bronze your mind to thing things which me and you we've, we've mm-hmm. traveled abroad we together. have traveled before um but um it's one thing i've never really thought about until like really more since covid because we couldn't go abroad that i mean just america is so crazy i mean you have out west with all the mountains and shit and then middle america like you said the truck stop like there's nothing like that up here in the northeast and i mean obviously the coasts are all kind of like beach towns like that's all kind of the same but there's just so much out there like whether it's like you said tennessee like memphis yeah like virginia everything virginia, like that it's, yeah there, it's certain places that you see and you're like oh yeah like or and I, I think the biggest thing like the most naive thing for me was like oh like i know washington dc like that's in the virginia maryland like metropolitan yeah. area like i just kind of it was a naive thought of mine I'm like oh yeah like i know it's probably a rural like place or like i know what metropolitan dc is like mm-hmm. and I, I would think that i think what i automatically did was made the conclusion like where I'm from in New Hampshire, which is, I guess, 45 minutes north of Boston, is very similar to what 45 minutes, like, southeast of D.C. would be when it's completely different, where yeah. it just runs into, like, rolling farm um, and just really, like, just woods. And, like, it just completely opened my mind to that. Um, so I definitely would recommend it. Um, and I think you made that good point that it's crazy. Like, when you go out west and you see, like, the Rockies for the first time because you're just driving on, there's, like, the high plains where it's, when you look at your map, it's like stay straight for the next like 700 miles. Mm. And you're just like, what is this? Like, and then you just come over, you just, they start appearing in the distance. And next thing you know, you're like, this is insanely, like insanely beautiful. But also like it is from like all the way, as far as you can see to the way left, all the way, all the way up north or south, as far as the eye can go. And it just seems like it goes on forever. So the vastness behind that is just such a cool thing. Yeah. And I think you said it earlier, just seeing something in person is just, so much better than mm-hmm. seeing a picture on your phone or like a yeah. documentary about it like it's just nuts and i've never actually seen the like american rockies i i went to canada to see like the canadian mm-hmm. rockies and that's pretty impressive 
Um, but I've never kind of made it to like Colorado yeah. like that area. So that's definitely yeah. something on the bucket and, list. I and that's the other and thing. Ski out there and ski out there is, is unbelievable. And I think you said it perfectly. No matter what picture you see on your phone, like I can show it to people all the time, but it will never truly do it justice mm-hmm. when you just are seeing like when you're pulled over and just looking out there at like a, a sunset in the West and you're just like, whoa, this is, I have so many photos on my phone, but I look at them and I'm like, this will never do it justice to like yeah. what it was at that time. Um, and like at that moment of like driving cross country, like sure. I can always look at that photo and be like, yep. Like I was, I remember all of it and I can deeply explain it, but that like being so present in that time, just being on the side of a highway in like middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. Nebraska, where it's literally like farms, cows and windmills. And just be like, that is a beautiful sunset and things like that. It's a really cool thing that I definitely recommend for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, going back to kind of just like driving, I think of, uh, I took a trip to New Zealand um, at one point, and I just remember this like so vividly. Like we flew into like a big city. We're in the city, uh, Christchurch, and then we kind of were driving out of the city to go to like the mountain ranges and shit like that. And we just like got over this hill, and it's just like there. Yeah. And it's just like holy fuck, this is nuts. Yeah. Because like, it and it's just like just, I mean, it's an hour drive or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure you had those experience all throughout your journey. Mm-hmm. And and that's how crazy it's like. You feel like you're just like same thing. Like it's 45 minutes or an hour drive out of the major city that you're mm-hmm. in, and then same thing. You like come around a bend or you go over a hill, and you just like you're like, wait, where the hell is this? Like this is beautiful. <laughs> like this is clearly not what I was just in. But it's it's crazy that it uh, almost feels like it changes like within a split second of like a snap of the fingers or a blink of the eye. That same thing. Like that that bend or whatever. That, right, you come around mm-hmm. the corner, you look, and you're like, holy shit, this is this is unreal. So it's it was cool in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I kind of want to, I have a question, like, it's a little personal. But, Go for it. Um, so I've known you, what, maybe four years now? Five? Four or five years, yeah. Somewhere around there. So you're a great storyteller. Everyone that knows you knows that you, like you said, you could talk to a fucking brick wall. Do you, like, know where that comes from? Or, like, like did your dad or, like, someone in your family, like, are they really good at telling stories and love to tell stories or is that just something you've kind of picked up by yourself? Um, I think, um, I think what was, I think always, I mean, I will be the first to admit it. And I think my parents will too, that when I was in middle school, I just wouldn't shut up. And I don't know why <laughs> that, where that came from, that I was just the like obnoxious, like class clown essentially, where I yeah. just would just do stupid shit. Um, just to try and get a rouse out of people. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, Hey, I might as well just start talking. Like, Mm-hmm. if i'm not gonna shut up like i might as well talk about <laughs> something cool um and then i think through the years just that was just more like me just talking to a crowd mm-hmm. um and then i think honestly working in hospitality where you just you you meet thousands of people like i would interact with thousands of people a day or hundreds of people a day and when it's in the service industry when it's such like a tip-based job yeah you really want to work like the hardest you can or like the, the certain angle that you can on a person to really try and it's going to sound bad, like try and get the most money out of them. No, that's um, but it's makes, the truth yeah. of the matter is like you're, I'm going to try and give you the best service no matter what. Um, just because I want that extra five, 10 bucks because I know at the end of the day, it's going to all add up. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, that initially working in a hotel, like pushed my boundary to be like, all right, I got to find a way to communicate with whoever it may be on whatever level. Um, and part of that was just like, all right, just going with simple questions like, where are you traveling from? Or, oh, and if someone's like, oh, like New Jersey or like Connecticut, 
I just go, what part? Like I actually have family in set like middle, like wherever area yeah. I'm in trying to relate with them then like, Oh, like how's the drive up? Like, or just trying to make someone just, especially when people are arriving, like half the time people just want to be there, just be mm. with their family on vacation. So I was trying to lighten the mood and be like, Hey, like you made it this far, like the hardest parts behind you. And now you can, now you can leave the kids at the pool and you can go to the bar and grab like a, a good margarita or something yeah. like that. And just make like a, a light joke where mm. it's something easy. Um, yeah, and most people are just like very like, oh yeah, ha ha ha. Um, and then others are like, when they just have a good dialogue with them, or if you see like a, a brand, like a, a certain location that you have, or like if they came, if they're wearing like golf apparel, mm-hmm. um, or like a golf course, like, oh, did you, you play today? And just try and build that connection, like a commonality of like golf, or like, which I'll be the first to admit, I'm an awful golfer, <laughs> but I still like know it well enough to like be able to kind of like talk yeah. about it. Or if like someone's going fishing, or like they mention it, like, oh, you're going fishing? Like I was out there the other day, like I was out here, got a bunch of like straight bass or whatever and try and build that commonality. And then people are like, Oh, like it just builds and builds on more conversation. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, when you see them throughout their stay, like you can progress, can progressively build that conversation and really be like, and just kind of bringing those tidbits back of information. Like, Oh, you guys make it out there. Like you guys get any fish or, Oh, do you, you get the course? Like, how was it out there? Like, um, and so things like that, um, I think was just like a good way to kind of push me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with, Dry, like there was another thing we had to do with, um, so essentially little backstory here. I was in the guest services. So I was like a valet bellman and like a chauffeur. Okay. So I'd park your car. Um, if I wasn't parking your car and you're checking in, I was going to move your bags into your room where I'd have to explain what the room was, like everything about it. And just same thing, just fill in that conversation. Cause there are certain times it is so awkward, <laughs> um, where people just aren't talkative and, yeah. and then others where it's like, no matter how hard you try, it's not going to work. And same thing with driving people downtown that you have um, where Chatham Bars Inn is located in the to the town of Chatham. It's a 30-second ride. So you have about a minute to captivate them and be like, mm-hmm. all right, hey, here's what you're doing. Here's what you should do later. Um, so that's where I think got me in, like got me being able to talk to people is being like knowing what to say at the right time. Be like, hey, you're going here for dinner. Like recommend this. Like, oh, what are you doing late night? Oh, perfect. There's one bar everyone goes to, no matter if you're 21 or 71 people there's the only one bar in chatham so you're gonna have to go there yeah i highly recommend it go ask for this bartender and like things like that and so when you see people that next day or whatever um they sometimes will come up to you and be like oh like you're right the chatham squire unbelievable like that place is so much fun like love the atmosphere or whatever um or you see people the next day and you're like oh how, did you guys make it out there and they're like oh no we're going actually tonight and i'm like oh perfect i'll see you there um <laughs> and more often than not if i do see them there i usually get a free drink but it's a cool thing like that of just being yeah. able to one think on your feet really fast and two being able to um like get what you want across really fast and then once you have them in that conversation you can be outside that restaurant or you can be outside and they'll just stay in there like and they'll truly want to finish the conversation with you and then they'll be like oh perfect like, thanks we'll we'll give you a call when you get when we when you need you so it's mm-hmm. one of those things and um i think that's what i really will like give an endless thing for is hospitality because it's truly like trying to figure out how to read someone in the their current environment um and like i said there's always going to be people who are pissed off like no matter what you say or do they're just looking for a reason to be mad yeah. at you well not well, only that if they're having a bad day yeah. if like they're in a fight with their significant other yeah. or the kids are acting exactly up or something, exactly and, like, and there are other times that like there are a few times i've messed up where it's like i own like i'll own this one like i completely messed up if i drop something or mess something up um or people are just like stressed it's like hey like going on vacation with a family i never had i've i've been on family like a family vacation yeah. um and i 
would think was too young at the time to realize like how stressful it might be for my parents like oh definitely trying to get two young like boys who are 16 months apart like or 18 months one of the two like on a plane down to florida in a hotel like while we're just like bickering and like bitching at each other (laughs) the entire time like i can only imagine someone driving from like boston or like new york city getting caught in like cape traffic which is notoriously brutal and like a friday terrible yeah it's awful and so it's like all right you get pissed off because you're supposed to check in like your room isn't ready you've just stuck you just waited four hours of traffic um your hotel room isn't ready yet like the pool's overcrowded you can't get lunch and it's like sometimes people are just like just trying to look for a reason to blow off steam so more often than not i give them benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. um but i mean with anything in life you're always going to face people who are just looking just to pick a fight um so you take those with a grain of salt and just move on. Don't ever take it personally. Um, and if you do, I don't think you really cut out for the hospitality <laughs> job or service industry because that happens every day for you. You're just going to be broken down within a week. And yeah. and so it's nice like that of being able to kind of get that, develop that tough skin of be like, all right, it's going to go right over my head. And within five minutes, I'm going to forget about it because I'm doing something else. Um, but it also taught me those kind of invaluable lessons of one, to be like thankful for those people. And two, um, to like understand how to one read someone and just be like, all right, here's how I'm going to read you. And here's how I'm going to react to what, like what subtle cues you're dropping mm. or like maybe talking about with your like significant other, um, that I'm going to try and take advantage of to get the most out of you. Yeah. That may, yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense that cause you're interacting with, like you said, hundreds of, if not thousands of people every day. And like, you gotta like try and like remember everyone's name mm-hmm. and shit like that. I know I probably wouldn't succeed in that role. I'm not very like super outgoing in that way. Um, so it, it's honestly very impressive. And how long you said you started in 2016? Yeah. So I did it. This is my sixth year of doing it. Okay. Wow. So I was six years on the Cape, one year in Utah, mm-hmm. but I mean the Cape stories I have, if we, we, I go five more hours on this podcast <laughs> of things I've done and or seen that are just crazy um because it's it's all yeah i'll kind of wrap this one up for you but it's the hotel is mainly a big seasonal hotel that it's Mm -hmm. memorial day to labor day that's what kind of when yeah kids get out of school it's like that first long weekend where it's getting to be really nice weather like if you get a good memorial day weekend you're like all right this is perfect it's a good reason to get away and get down to the cape um and then it kind of dies back down again because kids honestly are still in school till middle of june like that second or third week and that second or third week of June, the hotels like empties out, but it fills up with all these corporate groups. And these corporate groups are the hardest people I've ever seen go. Like, I don't care about any wedding party. I don't care about anything. But these corporate groups that come in, it's honestly, there are a few groups um, that'll come in and they'll bring their interns. And that'll yeah. be like their new hire orientation is this will be like their first professional work setting. Um, and they'll just be like, all right, like it's a free hotel stay. You're at a really nice hotel. Everything's covered for you you just need to sit in on these meetings and you can go out at night and have all these company dinners. Yeah. And that's when you just see the craziest thing in the world is like, all right, these people really aren't paying for a whole lot, like except the security fee on the room, mm. but you will just see some things that I, <laughs> things I've seen in like a back of a car is just unbelievable while I'm driving people <laughs> home from the bar at 1am. That's crazy. Dang. I got to find one of those jobs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's fun while you're with them because there have been other certain times that, um, either myself or others that I've worked with have been like invited or just gotten in. Like you see them at the bar and they're mm. like, Hey, like come get a drink with us. Like let's do, let's do a shot or something. And cause just cause they remember you. Cause like 
you basically just got off work. So you're still kind of in your new uniform. Like you might have like a sweatshirt on or something. And they obviously recognize you because they saw you like two hours prior or you just, you're like, Hey, or you just dropped them off. And you're like, there it goes. Are you, do you ever come here? And you're like, I'll actually be there in five minutes. Like don't move. And you run, drop them off. You go back and you walk into the front mm-hmm. of the bar and you see them sitting there and you're like, all right, like here. And they always just buy you a beer, say hi to you. Um, and then later in the night, usually as the inhibitions get a little more skewed, and the alcohol starts flowing a little harder. They're just like, "Oh, come back to our, come back to our room. Like we're all having a giant post game." Yeah, you'll, you'll walk into a hotel room with like fifteen, in, like fifteen interns that are all like twenty five or whatever, and you're like, "This is, I have work tomorrow. This is, I cannot be doing this." <laughs> so it's cool things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a really fun, fun job if you can ever get it and get in, get into that area. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it. Um, but yeah, um, I wanted to go some some to something that we said in the very beginning we were talking about like oracle and the mm-hmm. staples center did you see what the new lakers stadium is going to be yeah is crypto.com in that i think i think someone made a good point i was seeing this on twitter that someone made a good point that it's very similar to like the sears tower in chicago it's no longer called that but people will always refer to that building as the sears tower like it's not called the sears no, tower i didn't even know that i learned that on twitter today <laughs> So, I, see you do learn things yeah. from twitter and so i saw that and i was like i was so confused because like how do you not call it the staples center because also i feel like that's like calling like that's like if madison square garden or the td garden was to ever change their name given the td garden did change their name like it years, was boston garden that was like the fleet center but now it's like td garden like everyone it's uh, it'd be like very similar to like taking the garden out of it though like yeah i would always still refer to it given i think it's been that way for the past 20 years but same with the Staples Center. Like, how are you not going to refer to it as the Staples Center? Well, how long has, do you know? I think it was like 19, it was like the 90s or late 80s, I think. Yeah. So it's been like oh, quite a long time. So, 40 years. Yeah. Where you're yeah. referring to the same thing, like the same iconic building, in or like stadium or landmark, I guess yeah. you want to call it, in LA. Like, how are you going to go back? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, it just also doesn't roll off the <laughs> Crypto. top. Crypto.com. Crypto.com, <laughs> like arena. It's like, what? Well, and I didn't even, so also, this is kind of like one of those like dumb brain moments, but when they're like saying that like the Staples Center is like their um, naming rights is coming up, I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's like Staples, like the company Staples. <laughs> that like, is true. Because you don't even, you, don't you just think, of, think it. of it as the Lakers, set, like yeah. where the Lakers play, like yeah. the Staples Center, it's not, because it's not like MetLife, like no. I feel like that's very obvious, like even TD, like there's yeah. so many TD banks and. And there's a bunch of other ones too, but it's like the Staples Center. You don't really think of office supplies. No, like you truly, yeah, I think you're right. You think of like where the Lakers <clears> play, like Staples Center. Yeah. Like there's nothing, I would never put a connotation behind like what Staples Center is and like Staples, like the office mm-hmm. supply store. Like I would never. Even though there is there is the Staples logo like yeah, on the center. I think the like, roof too is, yeah, I think the whole yeah. roof is the red with the Staples. <laughs> I would, I'd look at it and be like a Staples Center, but I would never once. I'm, so you're not alone on that, that okay. dumb brain moment. No, yeah. I'm definitely there with you. And it's also like crypto.com. Like, have you ever heard of crypto? No. Because I like, I don't know how much you're into like crypto, but like, I'm like kind of aware of like different exchanges, yeah. like Coinbase. Like, I, I can't really honestly think of any. No, other but if I even head, think, but... even if it was Coinbase, like, like all right, like Coinbase. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Because sure. I feel like they also have like Coinbase has a bunch of ads running on TV. I always yeah. see them on like, on the little side things on my laptop or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, all right, I clearly know, like they're clearly marketing what Coinbase is, but crypto.com I have never once heard of in my life. Well, so I Googled it today and on their website, they're like, 
their main header like video is of like Matt Damon. I was just like, huh? Like, where did he come from? I know. Like, I don't, and I feel like I've never, cause you hear like, like Brady's really into crypto. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's I'm trying to think of like others. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I knew yeah. took his paycheck in that. And then a few other like NFL players did that. I know Saquon did, yeah. but like, I know. And then obviously there's like, like Gary V and R- like, Russell Wilson. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. There's like other like businessmen that are like super into yeah. it too. But yeah, I hadn't heard of like Matt Damon. No, it was just kind of, that was a very odd, I mean, I don't know where this money is coming from for crypto. Yeah. Like Cause how much, how much do you think that naming? That has to be a be? lot. That has to be billions. I think to name that. Right. Or is that just maybe not billions, but a lot, a lo- but I mean, how long are you going to name it for? Right. It has to be more than a year. No way. Well, yeah. Yeah. So what's, I want to, I wish yeah, I could know. Google. Yeah. I want to know what that, that term is for that. Like how long that, I guess, naming agreement or lease, whatever you want to call it, goes for, for the, the crypto.com arena. And plus, I feel like also it's so weird because there's so many iconic events that always happen at the Staples Center. Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's the like one downtown stadium at, yeah. in downtown LA. So it's like all of Hollywood goes there. 700 million. So you weren't that far off on a billion. For how long though? I don't know. That's just the headline. Like... Um, I really want to like what is this like lease or takes, takes an effect on Christmas Day? Yep. And then how, twenty years. Okay, so that's still a lot of money to have it just a name tied to it. Like Jesus, that's crazy. Christ. Holy shit! Like twenty. Like I don't know if I could constitute that. So how many? Let's quick math. Yeah, because I can't do. Let's that do a little quick math on that one. Wait, I, there's no calculator on the iPad. Yeah, what's twenty years for this? Let's. I'm intrigued. Thirty-five mil a year. I mean, that's expensive, bro. Was that Mike Trout? Mike Trout's salary or something? Something like that. I mean, that's got to be the most expensive form of advertising in the world, no? I guess soccer uniforms because they or F one I think because F one oh yeah true F one like I I want to know what like Red Bull or Mercedes <clears throat> is paying <clears throat> well actually I don't know how that works I I really I I well, wish no they're Mercedes engines yeah but well no actually no they're I don't think they're Mercedes engines but they pay I know Red Bull because I watched that Drive to yep. Survive thing I know Red Bull uses or they used. I'm gonna mess this like, up. I know there's people fr- are gonna give me shit, but like, I know Red Bull. I think used Renault yeah. engines, and then they switched. Okay, like I know Ferrari uses Ferrari engines. I'm, yeah, yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. Like, how much do you think? But I think they. That's fine, not that, fine. Regardless of the sponsors, like Oracle. Here's back to Oracle. Oracle yeah. sponsors Red Bull Racing. Like, there's a massive Oracle, like a big spot too on that yeah. car, and I could I want to know what that what that would cost. Because I, I feel like that has to cost a good yeah. good amount of money. Yeah. Let me know what that is. But I feel like that's not as a, a long of a deal, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? With what? Red Bull or the 20 years versus $35 million? Like, I don't I don't think Oracle has a 20-year contract with Red no. Bull Racing. No, no, no. Not. I feel like that's much more like three to five year. Yeah. But then again, I'm also not well-versed in the sponsorship <laughs> side of F1 Racing. Okay. Um, Red Bull Racing, Oracle. 
It doesn't say anything about the price of it. I mean, I don't even know if they disclose like disclose it. Yeah, they might not. I think it's just like a generic like yeah. press releases. But I know, I know another expensive one is like NASCAR. Oh yeah, definitely NASCAR I'm, with like yeah. with like Jimmy Johnson with his Lowe's and kind of some of those other guys. Um, or like what, who's it? Like Kyle Busch with when he was with M and M's or Dale Earnhardt Jr. with Mountain Dew, like or Budweiser, like things like that. Like I know there are a lot of. I think that has some big money behind it just because of how popular that is with mm-hmm. um, America. Um, let's see. I was just talking about how much Red Bull's invested. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, so this is Ferrari's partners. Yeah. But it seems like Shell paid yeah, 27 Shell. mil. Per year or per what? I'm assuming it's per year. Yeah. Oh, here's Red Bull. Okay, so Red Bull pays 200. Yep. You think it's Aston Martin pays three? You think that's 30? You think that's 200 million a year? That seems high to me. Because that's. It might. It it must. Might be for the term of their contract or whatever. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Red Bull has like ads on other teams too <laughs> i feel like red bull sponsors all like extreme sports like no matter what oh it is. yeah definitely like that is i think so like i'm in marketing so like this is what i mm-hmm. kind of like nerd out about i think Mar- red bull is one of if not the greatest like marketing campaigns of okay. all time because yeah someone who doesn't red- know that like why what makes so i guess red two bull part tastes question like that, shit <laughs> But two-part question to that. I love and it's Red the, Bull. No, I, everyone I does. love Red Bull. Um, two-part question to that, though. Like, what, I guess, when you say that they might be the greatest, like, marketing campaign of all, like, what, I guess, to you defines a good marketing yeah. campaign? And then, like, how would others, like, constitute it and be like, oh, yeah, like, he has a good point on that, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. sure, they, sure, like, their drink might not taste that good or whatever to, like, some, but, like, aside from them being, I guess, yeah, I just want to know what your, like, why you're, like, so I'm, I'm intrigued I, by this. Yeah. Now. So I think it's crazy that because like I've I mean, this might be isolated just because of the people I know and like my life experiences. But I feel like energy drinks, it's like Red Bull and everyone else. And it's like mm-hmm. pretty like I mean, you have people that like drink monsters and stuff. Yeah. But people are like, oh, you drink monster. Like, no. you weirdo. Like Red Bull is so by far clear. I think it's one. in a league of its own. Yeah. Like when in- and so it came in kind of after the original energy drinks, which I think did help it because mm-hmm. energy drinks, when they first came out, were kind of like people were scared of them. Yeah. You have a whole kind of like four loco scare. The OG where four like, loco is yeah. terrifying. So that's like people are like energy drinks. He's like kill yeah. people. Like it has all this caffeine and sugar and shit. And kind of like what you said, they sponsor everything. Yeah. They, they're like you said, extreme sports. They're everywhere. The F1 racing that yeah. they do crazy um and i think also that is what really impresses me is um in marketing you learn kind of this like guerrilla marketing where Mm -hmm. you have no money they used to like go around cities and just put empty cans of red bull like all over the place they i'm not kidding they would make they would make the cans and they wouldn't fill them they would just like crush them and put them all over cities like everywhere that's one thing they did. Obviously, they kind of like the X Games and yeah. like 
there's a bunch of sports that they kind of like picked out mm-hmm. that weren't that big and then they got huge yeah like, and then it paid like off skateboarding like yeah that like tony hawk like yeah given exactly. tony hawk wasn't sponsored by them i don't think but like same thing like, sean white yeah. with snowboarding or like, like surfing with like kelly slater mm-hmm. and like that that area of like the the 90s and early 2000s that yeah yeah so they there. just like kind of picked all of these like very specific things and and like i said like it like a red bull vodka like no one's ordering a monster vodka yeah. or something like that like that's i don't i don't even think that really um came to uh fruition like i don't think they started that i mean i could be wrong yeah. but that's just something that kind of happened um and then ov- obviously their commercials like red bull gives you wings like yeah not only, not only to mention like everything else it's like they have one of the most iconic commercials of all time yeah um they're just they're so focused on that and and i really love like i mean apple's kind of the same way where apple's like the best yeah considered the best for like everything Mm -hmm. even if they're not necessarily um i always like i always think it's kind of funny when you try and i mean i have like an iphone and stuff but there's like other smartphones that can do a lot more than the iphone but everyone has an iphone because it's an iphone what do you you're not going to get fucking google pixel or something like that because you're also gonna be looked upon so poorly when you're texting someone it's low-key it's so bad to think but like (laughs) when i text someone it's a green message i'm like shit like this is yeah gonna ruin my day yeah and it's like throws me off yeah and like we both say that and we both know how idiotic that sounds yeah but it's true yeah and it's just like i find it crazy when people are able to kind of like convince all of these people that this product is like so so great and i think obviously what makes apple great is the ecosystem like i have my ipad my iphone i have like an apple watch yeah it all kind of talks together like i have my airpods yeah um it's like really cool but yeah going back to red bull i think it's just I've, I find it fascinating when, because if you really think about it, Red Bull, it doesn't really taste that great. No. But it gives you caffeine. And it's just, to me, it's like the only energy drink. I, it's the only energy drink I'll ever drink. I don't drink them often. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm not alone in that. That is just like tier one, not down. Yeah. And like I going off that, like I think it's it's maybe not the best. like It may not taste, taste the best, but it tastes a lot better than other energy drinks. So it's probably, it's yeah. not, it's kind of the lesser of two evils of like, it's sure it's not good, but there are definitely a lot worse ones out yeah. there. Um, and then also kind of going back to what you're saying of like, they were on everything. The one thing I remember in like middle school, like growing up is the Red Bull cars. You remember those where they had the, the can on the back of the car? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they just yeah. drive, they, and like growing up in like a college town, they would always be like outside gas stations mm-hmm. or like they'd be out like side like the, the main like supermarket. And same thing, it'd be like a bunch of like very attractive girls, which was a, I, like at the time it was an unbelievable marketing like thing for a bunch of college guys in like a college town that they're of course going to stop and talk to like these attractive girls and try and do something. But the marketing off of that and having the the Red Bull car there with the mm-hmm. the can attached to the back is just like an iconic thing that I just yeah. remember seeing like in my like co- they just driving around my college town or anything. Yeah, and it's just like it's it's little things like that yeah. that I feel like do actually matter when you're trying to like create a brand because like you said you remember it. Yeah, and there's other people that remember it, and even if it's something as simple as just a little can, like you are able to kind of see that, and you're like, Jesus, this is crazy. Yeah. But kind of staying on energy drinks. I had a. Have you ever had a Bang energy drink yeah. before? Have you ever had a Rain? Those things are even terrifying, more terrifying. Really? So oh I had God. a Bang on Monday. 
because I was just like, I've never had one. I've, a couple people have told me about it. How'd your heart like, feel? Dude, I was at work, bro. And I was like, I was like shaking. Like, it felt like I drank like five cups of coffee yeah. or more. Like, and like, I kind of drank it quickly because it was, it was sugary. It tasted good. Yeah. But I didn't realize there was creatine in it, too. Oh, there's, yeah. You're, you're putting your head through a wall on that thing. <laughs> and like, so like after I had it, I like researched a little bit more. I guess people use it like before weightlifting, like yeah. power lifters and people like that. Yeah. Well, wait, what's a rain? So it's, it's like it's same thing. Next- it's, it's like, it's what's I think it has like, I think a uh, Red Bull has like, let's just say like a hundred milligrams of caffeine. On yeah, it. I think it does. Like somewhere around a there. rain has like four hundred. Okay, because I think the bang has like three hundred. Yeah, it has like one step higher. Jesus. And so I I remember having one one time. Um, and I literally thought my heart was going to explode. Like I was, it was that bad. It was not even that bad, but I was just like sitting there and I was like, just like shaking of just yeah. like caffeine. And I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like I was just trying to slug water, trying to get like dilute my system, eating everything. And I was still just sitting there like so jittery. And I'm like, I'm like, this just sucks. Like I did mm. not, not enjoy this, but like kids I worked with over the summer would just drink it. Like, yeah, I need it right now. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys drink that. Like, and just not like sit there and shake in the corner yeah. like i would be i couldn't even run i was just like i was just like what is going on with my body well they must have like built up like a tolerance on caffeine where they're yeah. just like crushing Had coffees to. all day and like eventually that just wasn't enough so you got to go to the next best thing yeah which... just keep keep amping it up damn yeah well who was that football coach uh the lions coach dan campbell do you know who oh yeah yeah, yeah i remember it came out like when he first started working that he has like the large Starbucks coffee. I, I don't know the term for yeah. it, but he has one of those of coffee and he has four shots of espresso in that. And he has two of those before like 9am. That's my thing is I've always, I've always seen stories like that. How do people not have a heart attack? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I remember there was one time in college. Um, I think it was like sophomore year. Cause we had the Duncan on campus and I was like, Oh yeah. I, I was like trying to write a paper or something. I was like, all right, it's going to be a late night. Like, I need, I was due tomorrow. And I was like, I haven't started it yet. Like, usual self. And I was like, all right, I got to get this thing done. So I went there, got like a, a large iced coffee with a double shot or something. Mm. Drank it in like 15, 20 minutes. And within an hour, I was just laying, I was like, it was amped me up so much. I couldn't even focus. Like, there comes a point where I feel like where you drink a coffee or an energy drink. And it's like that perfect, like right amount of caffeine buzz where you're like, all right, I can easily grind this one out yeah. but it was like almost too much where i was like <laughs> i can't do anything like i'm just you od'd on yeah on, on dunkin donuts iced coffee and espresso shots well i think that happened didn't that happen to paul george like i don't know if it was last year or a couple years ago where they where he said he couldn't or he didn't play in a game or something and they said he was sick and then i don't know if this is true or not or if this is just a rumor but I guess the story goes that he just drank too much coffee before the game and he was like too like spazzed out to play. No way. I've, I've never heard of this. But this yeah. Is, I don't, maybe that was a cover because he was high or something. I don't know. But like, I mean, I just, <laughs> I always that's thought that's a lot that of was, coffee I feel like to be like tweaking out. Like, and, I and I feel like that's also a very strange rumor to make up. Yeah. I feel like that's also one of those things that's where it's like so improbable that it's possible. Like it's no one would ever su- suspect it until you like you actually do it. And you're like, wait, he was actually just so out of it on caffeine. Yeah, and because I don't really know, because I mean, my basketball playing career was JV basketball. That was mm-hmm. the height of my uh, <laughs> basketball career, so I didn't really drink caffeine. Like I feel like caffeine couldn't affect you that much. Like no, or that much. Like 
I feel like everyone can have like a cup or two of coffee in the morning and just be like, ah, I'm chilling. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. Like whatever. And like, that'll wake you up. Mm. But I would have a hard time imagining that man drank. Plus he's so big too. So you have to think. Like, yeah. I mean, he's six, eight, like two forty, two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, what is that man putting back 10 cups of coffee in 15 minutes and be like, all right, let's go play basketball. Like yeah. that in itself. I'm just, I'm confused. I got to look into the story. This I is know. Interesting. Well, it is. Um, Cause I don't know if you've really experienced this. Um, but like after you work out, like whatever you have, whether it's water, caffeine, mm-hmm. like um, if you drink alcohol, like if you eat food, like your body absorbs it so much like quicker oh, yeah. and like faster. So like I've definitely like, like I've worked out in the mor- morning before and like had a cup of coffee after. Yeah. And, like right after I'm kind of like, oh, like this is a lot more than I'm <laughs> used to. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. So maybe he was like working out. And yeah. Then, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm not a big workout guy. If you can <laughs> tell by my physique. Um, given I'm looking pretty good right now, but not really going to the gym. So never been a big gym guy, you know? No, no. Do you, do you exercise? I mean, barely just walk. I mean, you're pretty like fit. It's yeah. not like you're, grotesque. I think I still, I, I somehow have a good metabolism still and <clears throat> I'm I'm going to regret the day immensely when it, it wears off and yeah. I'm going to be hating my life. And then I'm like, all right, now I actually have to work out. Yeah. But like, even when I live with Ford, like on his major health kick that everyone knows about because yeah. it was unbelievable what he did. Yeah. We um, talked about it on the pod with him. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. It was crazy what he did and like living with him and all that stuff and like watching him transform like that. You were like, just like, cool. I was like, damn man, like great for you. Like I'm going to sit here and just, you know, make myself Eat some my- dinner and hang out and like yeah. maybe throw in some Netflix and he'd be like, all right, cool. And he'd come back and he'd be like an egg white and spinach like wrap. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm having some bacon, you know, maybe a steak, like all this. He's like, all right, I'm doing like quinoa and grilled chicken tonight. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not like this polar opposite. Do you eat like, you must eat like somewhat healthy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I try and eat as healthy as I can, you know, yeah. mainly Loki. I'm a big chicken and rice guy. I feel like that's an easy go-to staple of like chicken thighs and some ri- white rice, like mm-hmm. easy. Um, but yeah, like honestly, I, I, wouldn't say I fully watch my weight, like watch my diet or whatever. Like I'll still go out and like splurge on like a nice dinner, or, like going out like drinking wise. Yeah. Um, and not have to worry because I know like some people like especially like beer because it's so high in like carbs and calories, like IPAs and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like that just after a lot for some people it does not hit them the best way. Um, but that's me. No, <laughs> dude, you're looking good. Well, no, but like I'm just saying, beer doesn't like all drink. Like so, for example. Um, last Sunday we had like, I had like kind of like a Friendsgiving with a couple yeah. of people. Um, and so we went over there and like, I was drinking, like you said, IPAs yeah. all day. And like, I obviously had like a big plate of turkey and shit. Yeah. I gained like five pounds yeah. that day. It's, it's crazy. nuts. It's like, crazy. And I had like four beers and a big plate of food. Like, it's not like that no. like outrageous, but no. it was like. It was also, I had like drank the night before, yeah. which alcohol is such a big calorie thing. Which I had never huge. really thought about it until like during COVID, I got up like a little bigger than I wanted to mm-hmm. be. So I like was starting to like pay attention to like calories and shit like that. And alcohol, I never even thought about it. Especially like, I think when, uh, for me, when I was in like freshman and sophomore year of college, like doing mixed drinks, like I would pound Captain and Cokes and I'm like, so much sugar <laughs> so much sugar and i'm like not to mention the like i th- i think i don't know what it is for rum specifically but like most liquor is like 100 calories per shot yeah 
which I think like tequila might more. be, the, I think tequila might be the lowest, but yeah, yeah same it, thing. Like, but like the dark liquors, like would just <laughs> are just brutal. And then same thing with like the beers that you said, like a few of those IPAs, like I feel like after like, I remember there was one time in college, it was like four or five days of like, it might've been like spring weekend week where it's, you know, kind of like a, a second syllabus week for it's like yeah. a, a spring syllabus week where it's just like, you can just do whatever you want. And I remember just like, at the end of that, I just looked at myself and I was like, this is, this is bad. Like I need to lose some weight real quick. Mm. Um, and that's the thing also, like, it's also amazing if you take like, I feel like for me personally, I don't know about others, but like you take like two or three days off or like a week off from drinking. And it is amazing. Like how fast your body like sheds that like weight or like that excess, those excess calories mm. with very minimal change to your diet opposed from just the elimination of alcohol for a moderate amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. And it was one thing like during COVID I was drinking like almost every single night. Yeah. Cause like I was just like stuck at home with my parents yeah. and I was like, what are we going to like watch a movie? That's, like- <laughs> that's what mine was. I would, I would hop on, I would literally have like six beers and hop on Xbox and just like screw around with my boys. And I'm like, cause I, we had nothing else to do. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it was like senior spring. So I took a lot of easy classes because I was yeah, like, same. was not anticipating this when I signed up for them in the fall. So I was like in like Com 110 and like legal studies 200, 201. And I'm like, all right. Well, you didn't take you. We had to take legals now. Uh, yeah. But I was a pre, I was a uh, legal studies concentration. Oh, really? So it was like an added elective. Like I hit my concentration. It was like, you need to take one more. And I was like, I haven't taken law 201 yet. Like. <laughs> The other one was like, I think every, the one that everyone has to take is like uh, Legals 211, like the business one. Yeah, this was like, the, okay. this was the one before that, where it's like the introduction. Like, this is like an elective for freshmen. So I was in two freshman level classes. Yeah. Um, I was in like a project management two, which was just so like, a, like interesting one. So it was like kind of cool to me. And then there was like one other management because I already had a credit up. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, four classes. I don't have class on Monday fridays and i have two classes on like or sorry i have three classes on uh tuesday thursday one class wednesday night or something mm. like that and i'm like this is the easiest thing and yeah. so it's just like a reason i'm like all right you know i can easily do my com two or my com 110 homework where i have to recite like a, a discussion post on whatever that was blackboard or canvas or yeah. whatever you used and i would take me five minutes to write a paragraph about what social media means to me or something and i was like all right this is I should not be doing this right now. So it was just yeah. like, it was just not good. But then, and I think that's why I was so eager to get out of my house and go to the Cape mm. when I had that option is because I was like, I needed one, just get out, like just change up something in my daily routine. I just like sit, like I literally had like my own like office space in my house with my parents. And it was the same routine. Like my mom would go to one area, my dad would go to the other to work. And then I would just go to like our basement where it was like kind of a nice island. And I would just, had great wi-fi and i just sit down there all day and do homework from whenever i woke up till or like whatever time my class was and then when that ended i was like all right like still can't really go outside because it's so unknown to a lot of people yeah um or like go like some of the small things was like going to the grocery store i was like yes like i will so one time i'm like yeah i'll go to the grocery store <laughs> yeah like, i'll do that do uh, some shopping yeah i was like i don't even need, even need anything but i'll go um but it was like those small moments that it was like, I was like, all right, I just looked for a reason to get out of my house. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even that, like you can only do that so many times before I lost sanity. And it's like, this just sucks. Like this yeah. is, this needs to end as, as soon as possible. And so then once I got that option to go to the Cape, I was like, I'll go. Cause it'll change. Like I'll be done with school. It'll be like, I'll be around like 
people I know, like my friends, which at the time wasn't the most responsible COVID wise. Um, but I was like, I'll be at like a place where I'm working. Like I'll, I'll be able to have some fun, like mm. actually have like a purpose of like, Oh, like, you know what? I made the hotel may not be open right now cause it was closed for a little, but like I can like get paid to like paint, paint a wall or something. So yeah. it, or like I roofed my buddy's house. So it was like something like that where his dad paid us like 500 bucks and he's like, Hey, you want to like, you want to roof my house? And it's like, I'm not going to say no to that one because it sure it doesn't sound fun, but like, what else am I going to do for a week? Like, yeah. so it's things like that, that just got like a good change of pace to it. Um, that I think was really nice with the whole ending of COVID or towards the summer aspect when things started to become a little more understood at the really early portion of it. Yeah. So, so, so did you have any experience roofing a house? Like no. how, like it was one of those things you that you and your friends just figured it out. Well, I mean, it's, it's from what we learned, it was pretty Easy. simple. Like you take some tar paper, whatever you roll it, you get it. Yeah. If you're going from scratch, you're getting it on the base plywood, you roll tar paper over, you staple it down and you just line up shingles and just try and keep them straight as you can. Like you have to overlap them and just know how to cut them. Um, which took us like maybe three hours to learn. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we just sit up there. We'd honestly just walk up there like a six pack. The kid's mom would like make us like sandwiches. Just walk up there with a speaker and just go to town all day. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like <laughs> as much as I dreaded it, like it was like pretty warm weather one day. And I was like, it's 85 degrees, but I was like, I can't do anything else. Like I go, I was like, I'll go to the beach at lunch and like, we'll do a half day and then go to the beach. But I was like, can't go downtown to any like bars or restaurants that night. Yeah. And so it was like one of those things that we just go out to the beach and we'd come back when it cooled down at, like four or five, when it's still like bright out. I'm like, all right, like, let's just do this for another three hours. Like, same thing. Like, get a speaker going, just blast music, and just hang out. So, it's pretty fun. I, I it was a good experience. I can say, I, I can say, I roofed a house. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I've never fucking done that. Yeah. I wouldn't know the first thing. To I do. probably was never gonna <laughs> do it except COVID. So it was a it was a fun thing in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, COVID definitely like it. Like you said, like it made you appreciate going to the grocery yeah. store. Like, there's, I feel like a lot of people tried things that they wouldn't otherwise yeah. have done. Which is definitely good, but we're back. Better, we're back. Better than ever. Yeah. And I, I, again, I will say, like, going to a hotel in Utah, I can thank COVID for that. It gave me a hall. It truly gave me, like, a hall pass for a year where I felt like if anyone said, like, what are you doing? I could be like, well, it's COVID. Like, I didn't, it wasn't the best time to enter the job market. Like, sure, that may not be, that was not entirely not true, but mm-hmm. it also was, I will be honest, I was not looking that hard at the time. Um, and it was a nice way to be like, hey, you know what? Like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity might as well do it because i know in 30 years or 40 years whenever i can retire that i won't be able to be as like fit as i was or young as i was and be like mm-hmm. all right i'm gonna go ski 125 days in the west like one of those things so it was cool like in that sense yeah let's talk a little bit about skiing because i uh i just did a podcast with my friend sean who like literally just moved to utah okay hell yeah yeah where i think salt lake okay but so like where did you ski out there so um, we mainly skied in Park City. Yeah. Like, cause that, from where we lived, uh, since Park City is like, I think now it's, I think they call it like the biggest mountain in the US cause it's like eight peaks or something. Um, and recently, like five years ago, there was two, um, resorts. It was called like, um, shoot, what is it? It was Park City and then the canyons. Um, okay. and Vale, who owns like half the ski mountains in the US, bought, the canyons and they already own park city so they added like a gondola to go from one side of the mountain or from one mountain to the other to like combine it into one ski area so we'd mainly ski the canyons because that was like five minutes from our house and the park city mountain itself was 
um, I'd say another 10 minutes, like easy. So we do that. And then also with work, working at the montage, we got uh, two passes a week free at Deer Valley. So, yeah. So if we ever had off days, um, we'd either ski that or um, if we were like the the people we were with out there um, and we had to work, we were always worked like a three to 1130 at night. So Mm -hmm. we'd wake up, go ski from like nine to one, grab a quick lunch um, because we could park up at the montage. And so we'd park, leave our uniforms in the car, go skiing, everything. And then like an hour before work, we'd like, or like 30 minutes before work, we'd run back to our cars, like clean up a little bit, um, like fix our hair or whatever. And then just go work for eight hours. Damn. Yeah. So we did that. That was probably where we skied the most. Um, The best skiing I did out there was definitely Alta. Okay. Um, Alta Snowbird. Because the day we went out to Alta, um, it's very like, it's kind of, a very hard like there's no big town around it it's like you're driving up into the mountains and mm-hmm. the only thing up there is all the snow there's no like oh, a little village where you can just like hang out after um which is kind of cool because it's like everyone's there for the same reason of like you're going skiing yeah um and the day that we went up there they got i think four and a half feet the night before <laughs> so i got to like i got to ski like waist deep powder for the first yeah. time um because it and the way they are then cottonwoods and it's kind of like that first barrier mountain. And then on the other side of that mountain um, is like uh, Deer Valley and Park City. So they always get a little less. But Alta and Snowbird always get pounded. And so we went out there and it was like four and a half feet of snow that night. And we're like, all right, like, let's let's figure this one out. And we got up there. We were probably like one of the first couple hundred people on the lift. Rode it up to mid-mountain. And they're like, we're going right up to the top. Went up to the top. And that was the first time like I've ever experienced. Like It was I was going down, I was going down like a double black diamond, like an open bowl going dead straight. And I was going like five miles an hour. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing? This is, it literally felt like I was going down like a bunny slope. Like yeah. I, I fell once. Um, and thankfully my ski didn't come off. Cause we, there was a girl we were with who lost her ski and it took her like an hour and a half of trying to like dig oh, back no. up. She, Cause she like fell and the ski just like popped off. And then she slid like eight more feet down, yeah. eight to 10 more feet down. And then had to like, unclip her other ski hold it and then like hike back up through all this waist deep snow and then just like figure out where she fell oh my god yeah i can only imagine yeah. that would be <sighs> and so it was awkward because she was the she was the last one to go yeah um and so we all go and we still like make it down and it literally could have happened to all of us that she just had like an awkward like same thing like just the din wasn't high enough and it just popped off on mm-hmm. her and so we're all down at the bottom of the bowl like looking up at her and it's like you can't like hike back up 50 no. feet or 100 feet to like go get her because that would take forever yeah and so what we had to do is like go back down to the lift ski back up or go back up and then ski down and we did that two more times trying to find it because one time the first time i went back up and skied down i skied past it like i tried stopping just completely I just, it. and i just like <laughs> went 10 feet past it i'm like i'm not doing this so i went up again came back down and then when i was coming down that second time she was like right halfway down the bowl she found it and I was like, that was the longest like hour of, I was like, this girl is just going to have to ski down the mountain. Like say she's lost a ski and like, yeah. they'll get it in the spring, but that was the craziest. And then, um, where else did my roommates go? My roommates went up to Dra- Jackson hole okay. for Kings and Queens, which mm. they said was insane. Um, I was, I think I was sick at that time. So I couldn't, um, cause I thought I had COVID a second time 
And I was like, all right, you know what? Like not going to risk it if I do like yeah. whatever, like it's not worth it. And it was kind of nice that right when I started getting sick, they left. Um, so it was one of those things. Um, so, I, and they were gone for like four days. So I could be like, all right, if I do have it, I've four days to like really try and get better. Yeah. Um, and like when they come back, we can figure out this isolation thing. And if I don't have it, then whatever, I, I'm, I'm good to work. And I luckily didn't have it, but it was kind of, but like hearing their stories up there were insane. And then a few of them went up to big sky, Montana. And they said that was also mm. insane going up there. So yeah, definitely. If you get out West, I'd say like, uh, Alta snowbird are the one too that you have to do. Um, and then Jackson hole from what I've heard is insane. Yeah. That's, it's definitely on the bucket list. Um, and I've, I've heard of like Jackson hole and like big sky. A yep. lot. I haven't really heard of park, uh, city, Utah, to be honest. No, it's one of those things that I think it's, <clears throat> Uh, I think because it's everyone, everyone's heard of like Aspen, like Aspen, yeah, Breckenridge. Yeah. And I think, and this may be like the naive skier in me just being like, oh, yeah, it was like an undiscovered, like hidden gem a little. <laughs> I think that secret's so out now. Like everyone is like, oh yeah, Park City, yeah. Utah. Because I think also people are realizing, as I said earlier, like 45 minutes from a major airport that like you can get a direct flight to Boston to like four times a day. Yeah. So it's like a lot easier to get yeah, there. A lot easier to get there, rent a car. And then, Within 45 minutes, if you really wanted to do it, you could like get out there first thing in the morning and be skiing by early afternoon. If you like did it perfectly with a rental car, drove right to the mountain, had all your stuff with you, you could easily do it. So yeah. opposed to uh, like Jackson Hole, you can kind of do, but that's pretty tricky because you have to always take a connector. Same with Aspen, you have mm. to Denver and then connect in. Um, but that, that's like the one area where you can like truly do it and be like, I can ski four major mountains within like a real easy time because um for your friend who's living out in salt lake like he can get to park city in 45 minutes he can get to um the cottonwoods where alton snowbird are in like 30 minutes mm. 25 minutes on a good day um so it's like very accessible from a major city um and right now it's like a pretty um i guess for like in in terms of metropolitan area there's a lot of affordable housing for people who are kind of our age who are still not who are established in the workplace, but not really established where they can kind of live in a more not comfortable lifestyle, but can kind of live a more lavish lifestyle. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so how did you get into skiing? Like, was it something you did with your parents or like friends when you kind of were growing up? Um, well, growing up in, in New Hampshire, I mean, it's a bunch of my friends like yeah. would always go skiing on like weekends or whatever. Um, I grew up kind of playing hockey, um, kind of doing that for my winter sport. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't know what it was. It was just, I think the, the kids I grew up with, like my, all my neighbors played hockey, and it was one of those things that I just had like an appeal for that mm -hmm. I think my parents just 
for as long as I can remember, I was always like skating on a pond or doing early travel hockey. Um, and then it wasn't until I'd say like maybe fifth grade or something that, um, I think my, my dad's like, Hey, we're, we're going skiing. And I was like, I have no idea. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you a lesson. We'll go, we'll go from there. And, um, at the time my middle school would have like a big, like every Friday night you'd go night skiing up in one of these like small mountains in New Hampshire, like yeah. King Pine or like J not J peak, but one of those like small, mm-hmm. small ones, um, or like Cranmore was another one. So okay. it was like a, not too big mountain, but they had night skiing and it was just like a nice Friday activity. Like to, I think give parents a break from their kids coming home after that. Cause you'd leave right after school. That's and, nice. and so it was one of those things I was like, all right, like I'm going to do, I, I always wanted to do it, but I was like, I, I knew I was also, I have to be a better skier first. Um, and I think playing hockey, like it was a good, it was an easier transition than I think for others because, um, in hockey you're bouncing on like an eighth of an inch of a blade yeah, and then skiing, skiing you're on like three inches wide at some, at like I guess at the base or at the, the most narrow part. And it was like the same, uh, mechanics I feel like of like when you're trying to like push uphill or something or learning how to like glide like that. Um, and very similar to like leaning and turning is kind of second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was able to, to pick it up a little faster than others just because of that, that background. Um, and part of me wishes I've like, I've always wanted to try snowboarding, but I just also have like heard some like horror stories. I feel like I'd be a lot more injury prone on snowboard. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those things that I just kind of learned at like maybe at fourth or fifth grade. And then once I kind of got comfortable with it and I was like, all right, this is a very easy transition from skiing or from hockey. Um, I was like, all right, I can, I can do this. Like this is nothing I'm too, too afraid of. So that's where I really got into it. And then in high school, actually I took some time off since I went down to kind of a boarding school in Massachusetts where it was kind of right on the water. So it wasn't up in the mountain area Mm. um, or close to a good mountain. Um, So I didn't really ski for all of high school. Um, And then in college I'd skied like maybe over the course of four years of college, I maybe skied like three or four times. So I like still had it, but I was clearly like pretty rusty. And then going out to Utah, I was like, all right, I got to really figure this one out. Yeah. It's so like the first day of skiing. I was like, I felt like I was in a completely new world. So like one skiing in the East and West is completely different. Completely. And then not skiing altogether and then skiing in the West and thinking back to what my mechanics were of the East coast. Um, like threw me through a loop for a little, but it, I think it's very similar to like riding a bike in, in that sense that you, you ski for three or four days and it's excellent. You get exponentially better and you get everything back under you really fast with that. So it was same thing with the starting out on like a, I think for the first like week I just skied blues. I'm like, all right, this is all I need. Like I'm just chilling on this. And then from there I was like, all right, this is, I remember how to do most of this and kind of can, can build off of that. Yeah. Was there any night skiing out West? Uh, there was one mountain that was, I never skied it. I'm trying to think what it was called. It was a small, small mountain. Yeah. Um, it's and, normally smaller mountains, yeah. obviously, because it costs a ton. It costs so much. <laughs> but they had, and they. I think they also had like, I think it was only like two runs, same thing. Mm. Um, but it was, yeah, nothing that I, we wanted to do it, but it was one of those things we just couldn't get a good like timing on it because, um, as I said earlier, we always worked the night shifts out there. Yeah. Um, so it was nothing that I felt like I missed out on just because it, it'd be different. If it was like a much bigger kind of area, mm-hmm. but to only ski like two trails. I was, I, I was like, I, I don't need to, to do this or I'm not going to lose sleep missing out on this. Yeah. Nice skiing is something that, so I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I snowboarded. Yep. Um, since I was probably 
my parents were like, you got to learn skiing first mm-hmm. and then you can snowboard. I, like, I always wanted to be a snowboarder. Yeah. <clears throat> Mainly because of like Sean White. Like, yeah. When I was growing exactly. up, I was just like, oh, he's really cool. I want to do what he does. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not going down the super pipes and doing <laughs> that shit. I can barely like do like a 360. Um, but anyways, I'd never gone night skiing until this past year. I went, um, it was actually on New Year's. Uh, I went with like some friends, mm-hmm. but it is really cool. It experience. is really cool. And like, um, obviously in, uh, so I was, did it in Vermont, yep. uh, Bolton Valley. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like kind of a smaller mountain. Okay. It's like up in the mountains, but it's really cool. Cause you can see Burlington at night Yeah, that, with that's like cool. the lights and like, obviously Burlington's not a major city, but there's like lights. So it's yeah. cool. And I think the timing was like, cause you buy like a night skiing pass or yeah. whatever. So it's from like five, I think to or it's 11 like a or four, something like Yeah. That. Four to 11 yeah, or something So like you that. get kind of the sunset and yeah. like, it's just, it's such a cool experience and like you're going down and cause kind of like my main experience with night skiing, like seeing it is yeah. like on TV. Like I said, like the X games yeah. and shit like that. And you see that it's like, Oh, it's so cool. So you're going down and you kind of like feel like you're in that it is such a cool feeling. And like, obviously, like you said, it's very expensive to do. So it's on smaller mountains, yeah. with not as many runs. Um, but it's definitely a cool experience. I encourage anyone that, uh, hasn't done it to try it out. Oh, definitely. It's super cool. It's such, yeah, I think you put it right. Like it, it literally feels like the X game sometimes. Where yeah. Like, where you, where you like grew up as a little kid, like seeing it, you're like, well, this is so cool. And then you're just skiing down these trails at night. You're like, this is, this is like sick. Um, and yeah, I mean, sure. It may be a smaller bound, but it, the experience is still like a cool thing that I like, I'm glad I can say I've done. Mm. Um, and I will hopefully continue to do like later on down the road. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The only, it's just like, I mean, I'm, there's a couple of hobbies like we mentioned golf earlier. Yeah, that shit can get very expensive very, very quickly, expensive, very fast. And so, like it, I've like it stinks because some people like might not be able to afford it, yeah. and like there's stuff like that. But you can always get rentals. And yeah, it's cheaper. There's but, always like a, yeah, some semi cost effective like way mm-hmm. to do it. Um, and that yeah, that's the thing. Also, like I think the thing that was really tough like growing up trying to get into skiing at such a young age um, is because I I think I really enjoyed it, but also like trying to buy skis for a kid who's in fifth grade or like going right through puberty and growing like Mm -hmm. three or four inches a year. It's just like (laughs) you grow out of skis and boots really fast and that can be pretty, pretty cost. I think definitely costly for like my parents who Mm -hmm. are uh, definitely saw like my enjoyment behind it. And I think that's what ultimately a parent wants to do is like have, watch their kid have fun doing something. Um, and like also like see them like, like help them do that in whatever mm-hmm. way they can. Um, but I definitely knew there's a time. I think my parents are like, all right, you can, you can stop growing right now. Like you're <laughs> especially, so my, I don't know if you know this or whoever's going to listen to this, but my brother's six, nine. So he's, oh, a, is he really? he's a, he's a giant. So he, he grew like a foot in a year and like <laughs> went through like four shoe sizes. And Jesus. Yeah. And so he played hockey with me. Um, so I usually go through like a pair of skates in like two years or whatever, yeah. right in the height of it. My brother was doing two skates a year and my parents were like, all right, they like try stretching. I'm like, there are different ways to, for you to try and like lengthen like ski, uh, yeah. skates. Um, but it just like, they're like, all right, you can only go so much before you just need to get a new pair. And it was, they were just like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, he's six. He was like six, six. I think he was like, uh, probably in like sixth grade. He was probably like five eight five nine so pretty tall for a sixth grader yeah and like freshman year he was like six feet or something he grew it was in like a two-year span he grew like eight inches 
And then from that, it was like from freshman year of high school to like senior year of high school, he was like six, eight. And it's like, all right, you're, you're a freak of nature. So he, if, if there was anyone in my family that should have gone pro, it would have been him and he should have <laughs> done it. And I will forever like hate him for not doing that. Did he play, did he like go to school and play in school or? No. So he was, uh, I mean, he should have played basketball. He will be the first to tell anyone that he should have played basketball in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't really big. He was big, wasn't big into that. Cause I think also like growing up, like I think it was like a re- direct reflective of like where we live. Like hockey, we just grew up with all these kids who played hockey and like loved yeah. playing hockey. Um, and it was one of those things that he just wanted to do it. Um, so it was one of those things. And I think his height at the time was a really big advantage for him. And then he played it through most of, or part of high school. Um, and then I think he kind of was like, all right, this is not really like worth it anymore. Um, so he kind of gave that up. Um, but it was one of those things that I think looking back on it, I think if he was now as like smart as he was, um, I think he would have loved to play basketball cause he could have done a simple post move and he would have been totally fine. Um, and hopefully in the NBA so I could get a few <laughs> deals off of him. Um, <laughs> But no, it's a couple sponsorship sponsorships. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe I could get an apartment paid for in the city or a car, but whatever. Well, that, well, that'll be my next life. Um, but no, it was one of those things that um, I think kind of getting back to where we started here was I think we both grew up playing hockey and then we both transitioned to skiing just because it was a relatively easy switch or trait, I guess, thing to learn. Mm. Um, and then from that, I think my like, I guess passion grew from it or just like my, I guess yeah, best way to say it, like hobby um, grew for it. And then like this past winter it just be, became fully magnitude, like magnified of how much like I fully enjoyed it, like mm. getting out there and just skiing all day and not having a real care in the world. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we'll have to uh, take a little skiing trip. This winter. definitely, maybe. we definitely have to tear it up there. Well, I think um, I'm actually going to be in Vermont, I think for like a couple weeks. Cause I'm like, I got to, take care of my dog while my parents are on vacation yeah so where do you so where's your where do you mainly ski up there like i know you mentioned the first mountain do you any like what's your do you have a favorite mountain in vermont that you go to um so i so to be honest when i was a kid i went to smuggler's notch Mm -hmm. just because it's like a family friendly resort have you heard of it yeah okay yeah i feel like that's pretty well known um so other than smugs i went to bolton a lot this past year Mm -hmm. just because my friend had a pass there yeah so i would go with him um he was trying to get me to get the pass but i was just like i don't do it enough yeah um but i actually ended up going enough times where i would have paid for the pass so i'm still pissed about that but anyways um so i've done stow which is really nice yep um i went this past year and like they just got like a storm and like oh hell yeah the gondolas are like really nice yep um i've also gone to uh what's the name of it jp you said it earlier yep. that's um uh i think it's less than an hour in the, from my house maybe okay. a little maybe a little longer yeah um so i've been there um but yeah like i said mainly my like snowboarding career has been at smugs when i Got was it. growing up yeah and kind of like you like i didn't do it so much in high school like i was really involved with sports i played lacrosse all yeah. year round um, and then in college, it's like almost impossible to yeah. ski in college. I know they had those um, the ski trips or whatever. Yeah, and I always like would try and get on it and wouldn't would be too late. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's definitely something I want to get back into. Yeah, I think um, it was hard. I think it was hard going to Bryant 
and going skiing like sure it was still in the like new england but it's a full like true day like a full commitment of like all right you actually have to plan it out like mm-hmm. like planning out kind of your week all right like i'm gonna actually do this on saturday and like try to get the weather right and like making sure you have everyone who wants to go and like mm-hmm. getting passes and if you need to get rentals doing that um but that and that that's the thing i think was unfortunate about being at brian like i loved it but i guess in terms of skiing like proximity to a like i guess larger mountain if you want to say where you could actually ski it all day and have a an yeah. enjoyable time yeah and like i know i have like a couple of friends not that they went to school specific, specifically for skiing but um one of my friends, Dave Forbes, who's actually on the podcast, um, yeah. he went out to school in like Montana. Oh yeah, and like one of his things was like, like I'm going out there so I can ski. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I had a friend. I had a friend from uh, high school who's a pretty big skier who went to uh, University of Colorado at Boulder. Same mm-hmm. thing. Like I'm like, all right, you you're <laughs> going up. Yeah, like he's he's living the dream. I like he would send us these videos or like of him like it'd be dumping so much and he'd just be on the chairlift on a Wednesday and I'm sitting there in class I'm like. <laughs> shit like i made the wrong mistake for college but no it was it was uh uh i think especially getting to meet you in college the way we did and how we really hit off our our friendship abroad of course mm-hmm. in our wild adventures over overseas um it was definitely a fun time so uh, that was a, an absolute pleasure yeah you want we should get into that for for the people listening for, to hear the story for i mean there are a few stories that well, we have this there's will, plenty of there stories. are plenty of stories and this will be this will be a long pod so <laughs> hopefully people are still sticking with us no um, but people in my life and in your life probably want to hear this so yeah. i guess we can talk about it. so i met will when um we took a class sophomore international experience in college um where we it was a it was yeah it was a communication like study of like foreign communication yeah. styles i was a communications major so i was probably a lot more into that aspect than you were but anyways we'll talk about the trip because that's what people care about um so yeah essentially we were in the same class didn't really know each other till we got there like yeah i mean essentially the lead up was we had like a, a semester long class yeah where we had a we were all broken into groups and we just had to like do research of like different cities we were going to mm-hmm. or different uh i guess like the business culture of that city or the the entertainment or the, Mm. I guess yeah, the communication or the history behind it. So it was one of those things. Yeah. Um, and then we got there and everything went off, went off the rails. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really, it was a really cool experience too. Cause like we were doing all this like really cool stuff, like looking back on it, like, um, one thing that I thought was really crazy was, uh, when we were in Budapest Mm -hmm. and we went to that, like, um, movie like productions. Oh, place. I thought that was so cool. And like they were like, oh yeah, like Will Smith is like produce or yeah. making a movie like here. They, I think they, he, was he there when we were there? Or, or he was like coming. Before? He was coming in or something. Or they just filmed. They filmed the yeah. Martian there. They filmed yeah. like Blade Runner there. But like it was like yeah, this is like the third largest behind like Hollywood and Bollywood. Like this is yeah. the third largest like movie place in the world. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like I had no idea. Like, and this I, is nuts. I just remember like rolling up to that because i felt like we were literally like driving into the countryside and same thing like we just came around the bend and it was just like a <laughs> massive field with like five airport hangers that yeah. were like the biggest like buildings i've ever seen and then we mm-hmm. then we were like had that tour guide who just did not understand what we were doing at all <laughs> and then we somehow met we met the guy who actually like, talked to us and yeah then our tour guide's like oh yeah you can't go in there and the guy's like no no, no we're going in there and he like showed us that actually how big these like facilities where they film mm-hmm. these like 
mo- major motion pictures are, and it was, I was blown away by that. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of things on that trip. Yeah. Um, I think of uh, that one, like the Nazi torture, like oh, museum. The, yeah, that and, was that was, and that's sombering. just like yeah, one of those things. Like if you've been to like the nine eleven memorial, yeah. Or, I'm trying to think of like something else, like the Arlington Cemetery mm. in Arlington, in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. yeah, it's just like things that you just like. Whoo, yeah, like you're just like depressed yeah. for like the next couple hours, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like, the other the other one I thought was really fun because um, it was not really like a school sponsored one, but we all ended up doing it. Was that uh that river cruise? Did you yes, on that? Yes, where we got to yes. see the city at night and that the Capitol building mm-hmm. or whatever. I thought that was really interesting that we got to like, that was, I think the, the coolest part of the trip for me oh, definitely. was, was like seeing that. And it was like a riverboat cruise where people were having dinner and it was just like 15 of us. Like mm-hmm. we got like a <laughs> one drink ticket and it was like a light beer and we're like, yeah. this is good enough. And then remember we went out and it was like still kind of the sun was setting and then we came back in mm-hmm. and it was that whatever that Capitol building is, was like lit up perfectly like looked absolutely stunning from there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my favorite part of, of that city, of course. Yeah. And it's, it's very like iconic. I've, I'm pretty sure it is the Capitol building. Yeah. Um, so I think we toured it too. Didn't we tour it yeah, the day? The, the amount of fucking gold in that yeah. place was insane. And the security behind it. I was like, this is actually crazy. The yeah. security there. It is crazy how like, there's like those buildings like that. Cause like, I think of like a lot of, st- um, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming New Hampshire has it. I know Vermont has it. Like the golden domes on, on the like, Capitol buildings. Capital, yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a thing in every single state or if it's just like the Northeast. Yeah. But like, that's like crazy. And then like, I don't know if you've been to like Washington, but to mm-hmm. see all the mon like DC, yeah. like all the monuments there. It's like, it's crazy the amount of money yeah. and like time that goes into that It was shit. insane. And then where else? And then also same with, same with that city, like all the, the churches that we went into mm. with like the, the architecture and the, the painted ceilings, that was same thing. I would, we walk in, I'd look up and I was like, this is like insane. Like that was, and, and plus like how old it is. Like it'd be one yeah. thing. It was like modern within the done of the past, like mm. 20 years, if you want to call it. But the fact that it was done like 300 years ago or whatever, and they still kept it in like perfect like condition. It's still like mm. a working like building that people still like attend a regular service at. I think it was really, really interesting and cool. Yeah. And you saying that kind of made me go back to, uh, we, we did the day trip to Dresden, Germany. Yeah. And obviously, um, like the firebombing of Dresden, mm-hmm. like America, we bombed the shit out of it. Yeah, obviously, like we, we put World it to War nothing. II. We demolished it. And so, like, I remember the tour guide saying this. This is like probably like a top five thing in my life that's happened. But she was essentially like, Yeah, like after the Americans, which is us, yeah. like bombed this, like we just finished rebuilding it like this year or something. Yeah. And so that really like put into perspective like history and like how like. Like, World War II wasn't that long ago. No. Like, it was... In the grand scheme of things, no. It was, what, 60, 80 years ago? Yeah. Like, they're they're still putting, like, that shit back together. Yeah. And, like, obviously, like, with World War II also brought, like, Hiroshima, like, things like that. Yeah. So, just, like, that really kind of put into perspective, like, things that happen now, like, do have, like, very long-term effects. Yeah. And, like... And, I mean, even in... um, I think it was Budapest when... Or was it? Where was the place with the shoes? That was Budapest. That yeah. was that, yeah. yeah. That was that was very soft. That was very like yeah, eye, like eye opening. Yeah. So for people listening, I believe it was 
I don't remember. It was essentially like a mass execution, right? Yeah, like on on like on a the river. They have like a river walk. Yeah, and it, it walks. I don't know what river that is, but it's kind of the main river that separates. That's how it is. It's like mm-hmm. Buddha and Pesh or whatever. Yeah, but it separates the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have bridges overlapping, but kind of I'll let you get back to like how like the the whole like mass execution on it and everything. Yeah, essentially, I think the Nazis just rounded up a bunch of. I don't know if it was specifically Jewish people, but it was probably just all the people they're like persecuting. Yeah. And they just killed them and dumped them in the river. And like you, there's like these shoes as memorial of the people. Um, but like we we're kind of going back to, it's very sombering. And I also remember just like walking through the streets and like these old buildings have like bullet oh, wounds yeah. in them. And like the shell. Yeah. You see the, you the bullet see, holes. Like, like I remember there was one building that like still had like a couple bullets in it yeah. and it was just like, it's, it's crazy. And it just makes you appreciate your life. And yeah. like, one that's not happening like here in like Boston where we are tonight and like not only that, but it hasn't happened here for yeah. what since civil war maybe no. Right. Probably. I mean, I yeah, probably. Yeah. But like, yeah, that, and I remember that, uh, the tour guide we had for that when he was in that city with us was like very cool about it. Like mm-hmm. he, he loved to like talk about it, but also like was like a big history, which I found really interesting was like, he would stop and be like, yeah, see this building right here. Like it looks like a regular office building, but like look on this side and you'd see like thousands of bullet holes that just went barely into whatever the, the building material is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, they're just not going to fix it. Like it didn't, damage the structure integrity at all so like they're just leaving it yeah. as like a, a reminder of like what they went through and everything mm-hmm. and i was like that's that's a really crazy thing to to like see and like understand yeah definitely well i guess and just thinking about more like war in america obviously we've been at war for i mean until like we always have been but anyways um I guess Pearl Harbor, but that was pretty isolated. That was just in Hawaii. That wasn't yeah. really like the mainland U.S. Yeah, and that was um, one. I guess not to one, not to like not say it wasn't a magnified event, but it was like one sole area. Like it was one yeah. bombing attack mm-hmm. opposed to like a, a war fought on like yeah. American soil, which yeah. I think would be insane. Which I hope I never see the day that happens. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't know if this is naive, but I feel like war as a total is kind of like going down. Like, well, if you do look at like violence graphs, like war as a as a whole is like going down like exponentially, um, just like in the world. Um, And obviously, like you said, in America, we've been fortunate to not experience it, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely something. And it's also like, like thinking back on like the like British times, like before the American Revolution, but like the French and Indian War and like other wars like that, like they would just show up in a field and just yeah. stand in even a with line Civil War, they'd just show up like and just shoot each other. Yeah, I think Civil War where it's like first change, but yeah. it like used to be like, <laughs> hey, we stand a hundred yards from them, like look at them and just shoot. Yeah, them. It's like, and like there is the drummer boy, like yeah. the, always the drummer boys. It's like you look at those people like, how stupid are you that you have a drummer yeah. boy? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Or like, what general in the world is like, oh yeah, this is how we're doing it. Like, we're not going to change our, uh, our like tactician at all. Like, oh yeah, yeah. we're going to move. We're going to do this instead. <laughs> like, hey, we're going to, we're going to hide behind a tree or a rock and yeah. then shoot when you can. But like, well, that, that was the American like guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Like that was like a revolutionary like war tactic. Like, and it was and I feel like, like it happened a lot later than it should have. 
Well, I guess, I mean, I don't know how many. Because one was like the gun invented. And, you know, I, mean, I know pirates had guns. Yeah, like long ago. Like Revolutionary War was still fought in field face to face. Same with, I think, part of the Civil War. I think the Civil yeah. War was like slowly got phased out into guerrilla warfare. But like the fact that that was barely, that wasn't even 200 years ago. And look at what we have now is insane to me. Yeah. And it seems, it just seems so psychotic that you like kill other people yeah. like it just like that concept and i mean i know we're like older or not that we're older but like we have grown up in a time where that's less prevalent so mm-hmm. like it's not like we've experienced it but the, it just seems like almost like an outdated idea yeah like because like i completely understand why there's people like in america like um like for example my he's not my grandfather he's my my grandfather passed away and my grandmother remarried Mm -hmm. um and uh so like he not to say he's like racist against asian people but like he kind of has like this like bias Mm -hmm. but then like i realized that like he kind of grew up during world war ii and we were at war with japan and like they bombed pearl harbor yeah like you so you can kind of like understand people and you're like okay this kind of makes sense probably not the right way of thinking but like if you go through something like that where like and i mean the same thing kind of happened with like the 9-11 attacks like yeah definitely like whether you say that like obviously like islamophobia and like people like being like racist against like arabs just because like of their religion like obviously that's terrible and we shouldn't have that but at the same time you have to kind of say okay like there is you understand it's human nature yeah and i think it was um not saying that i mean it should never have existed and but i mean after 9-11 which was such a prevalent event in Mm -hmm. especially i think what our lives are shaped now um i think it was definitely a big issue um and then the one that and then like even as it is now it's like okay you know what like there comes a point like we're I feel like a very progressive nation, like you got to put that behind, like, you got to put that shit in the past. And like mm-hmm. the thing that I think gets frustrating is that people are still like stuck in their ways. It's like, if you look at one person and you assume that they're going to be like the worst person in that, whatever category, whether it be race, ethnicity, creed, religion, nationality, you're never going to like be like, you're always going to just be a, a burden to society and just always that backwards kind of, uh, conceited person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think is really frustrating is that with people like that now, it's like, okay, look, like I'm not disagreeing with you that that was a, the most horrific event or one of the most horrific events that's ever happened in world history. But like we're in 2021 now, like you can't look at people and just be like, all right, like because of what they're wearing or what their like religion may be, like I'm a, re- I'm going to put them in a group and it's like, yeah, get past <laughs> it's like, that. come on. Yeah. Like, get past that. And especially, like, there's so many, like, you can point to so many other figures, like, whether it's in any group that yeah. have, like, done good, not only in the world, but in America yeah. specifically. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I it literally just, like, boggles my mind that I yeah. sit there, I'm like, wait, what? Like, you, <laughs> I, I don't understand it. It's, it's one thing I will never understand. But, mm-hmm. um, well, it's the 10% asshole rule. <laughs> is that, what's that rule? Just like, 10% of people are assholes. Just, I like that rule. I don't know. It might be a little high, but... Um, no, I like that rule. I mean, that kind of goes to your... Like, when you talked about when you worked at the uh, hotel 
where there's some people that are either just rude to you or yeah. just like don't want to hear it and like it's like no matter what you do they're yeah. always going to be stuck in their words i like that that's a good rule 10 percent rule yeah and there's nothing you can do those pe- no. those people are always going to be assholes Screw them. like you, their loss yeah exactly if they don't want to be part of the team they can fuck off and <laughs> go make their own team I don't yeah know. Screw them. <laughs> Got anything else on your mind? No. What else? Um, any hobby? Are you big into cooking? Yeah, I like to cook. Okay, we've what's, talked about that a little bit on yeah. the pod. What's a, um, like a signature dish of yours? Are you like? Yeah. So see, I don't really have a signature okay. dish. It's just like I also. So one of my problems, not only in cooking but just like life, is like I. Well, it's not really a problem, but I like to like experience a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So that in turn makes me want to like cook a lot of things. So like to be honest, I haven't cooked a lot of things twice. Okay. Do you have like a certain cuisine you mm. like? I love have- Asian food. Asian. Okay. Asian. Hell yeah. I think that's number one. Got it. Um, I can like kind of like I can do everything, but I think the one thing that fascinates me about Asian food is that especially being in America, we don't really know that much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least me, like growing up in like rural Vermont, like yeah, 90 I, something percent white. Same, and with, same with New Hampshire. Like where going it's, to Providence where yeah. it's like a huge Italian city and now yeah. being in Boston, it's used Italian, yeah. Irish, sorry, Irish, your food's not really that influential <laughs> in the world. But there's like so much to learn mm-hmm. about like Asian cuisine. And yeah. like, like I didn't know like about duck duck sauce and like oyster sauce and like okay. poison and yeah. like mirror like there's just all these things and like it and also like the simplicity of it too because like i mean it's kind of like with italian food too but it's mainly the same it's like either like lo mein or rice and something and then yeah. veggies and like meat yeah like it's not like an overly complicated thing yeah i mean obviously there's many ways to make it but um and then obviously you have like different like types like there's like sushi like you have like ramen bowls mm-hmm. like you have curry like there's just like, there's so many different things yeah um so and i'm kind of uh i like spicy foods not like so spicy like ruin that, your life spicy yeah, yeah but i like like spicy i say spicy foods that taste good yeah fair because fair. there's like I'm trying to think of like something that's just like overly spicy no there comes no a point reason, when this like, when it's like not even fun anymore we're just yeah. ruins all aspect like the yeah. one i think of when i think of like spicy when i think of that is like completely different is uh the blazing sauce at buffalo wild wings yeah like it's, hot wings i don't get that no, i don't get like that i all. i don't mind a certain point of spice because it's like still kind of enjoyable think mm-hmm. oh yeah this is hot but it's like tastes good there comes a point where it's just like what the hell are you doing to yourself like why yeah. are you you're just trying to see yourself in pain <laughs> it's, i don't truly get it but there is something so i like did a little research on this once because i watched these guys that ate the Cal or not the California Carolina, the Carolina Car- Reaper. Yeah, they yeah. just eat them. I don't know how the hell you do that. And so you actually get like it's so obviously the initial spice yeah. is like hell. fucked. Like it's you hate it. But like I researched it a little bit and they kind of associated it with like a like drug almost. Like the euphoria they yeah. get from that pain. Yeah. And so, like, that's what those people that eat spicy foods are, like, craving. And so, like, it's almost like a come up. And then, like, once you're, like, through it, it's like a, like, ah. So, like, the probably the the only time I've really experienced that was, um, do you know what a bird's eye chili is? 
Uh, no, but it sounds pretty hot. So it's it's essentially like one of those long red. Um, okay. And this normally uses like a garnish. Yeah. With like a couple slices on top yeah, of something, yeah. or like you put like half of it. Or like in you a pickle it or something. Yeah. yeah. And so I was at a friend's house over the summer, um, and we all like we were drinking, so not the best of judgment. Yeah. But we all like ate like a big one because like I wanted to like try it a little bit. Yeah. But with like some, it's not that spicy. Um, I think it's between a jalapeno and a habanero. Okay. That's like, so yeah. it's like kind of spicy, but not like. Not the worst thing in the world. Not crazy. Danny Brown had a habanero pepper. <laughs> he he did not like when, that. Hold on. When he did, did he, like yeah. That. When did, I'll let you finish. When did he get into that? Like what? Huh? Well, he was there. Okay. And so he, he's also really big into cooking. Yeah. So we have had these discussions before. Okay. Um, but but so anyways, what, it was like, who could like. Who could have a, a bit, like bigger balls? Like, <laughs> well, that hey. was that was him. Okay. Everyone else didn't really care Got about it. that. I think he was just trying to show off. Um, but anyways, and it was kind of weird. Like, so like obviously it was spicy as yeah. hell, and like that sucked. But afterwards, like like kind of sweating and stuff, it did like not to say like you can eat hot peppers and get high, but it was like a cool feeling. Okay, like, and I don't know, I don't know why like that exists yeah i'm and gonna be I honest don't i don't know if i've ever ever gotten to that <laughs> stage in my life where i'm eating hot enough food where i'm like oh, you know this feels satisfying well i think you have to like eat like a hot pepper like that i don't okay. think you can eat you have to go through pain before you feel the pleasure of it is that what you're yeah saying? i think so i think so i encourage you just to try it I'll, just I'll, to try it. i'll add that to my bucket don't list. try habanero though because I, I can my our friend danny who was on the pod um, which his podcast is not doing great numbers. So if you want to listen to that, help him out because he feels bad. Um, but anyway, I want to know how this is going to do numbers. We, this is going to go on all night. This is, huh? I want to know how this is going to do numbers wise. This could just go and go. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? Um, but anyways, yeah, he ate, what was I saying? The peppers. He, he ate the habanero pepper and he did not enjoy it. I think it was too hot for him. Um, is he a type of guy who enjoys like spice like you or is it like i think he likes it a little bit more than okay. me my tolerance isn't as high yeah i don't like like i know some people that just put hot sauce on everything yeah. i'm not that type of guy i will like there's like only certain dishes that i would like, got it spiciness to it uh, like some people will put like hot sauce on like spaghetti and meatballs i'm like what are we no, doing here? i i i, I what are we doing here? hot sauce on a breakfast burrito though <laughs> oh so good yeah yeah or um I love like spicy um, egg sandwiches. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like egg sandwiches are delicious, but by itself, it can kind of get like eh. yeah. And I feel like also if you ever have like a, a little, if you're not feeling too well from the night before, if you went out yeah. the night before, hot sauce and like a bacon egg and cheese or something, you're like this will within. Uh, it's a little euphoria high. There actually it is. Actually, I wouldn't say it's a euphoria high. It's like bringing you back to normal for a little before you're like <laughs> oh, shit. I hate my life. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, have you ever had like, uh, Thai sweet chili sauce? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know you're talking about, I don't think I've ever had it like on its own. I might've used it like dip stuff in like dumplings or whatever. That Um, is great on a breakfast sandwich. Ooh, I gotta try that. Yeah. And it's funny. So the way I found out about that is when I lived in Australia for like a couple months Mm -hmm. when I was studying there and they, it's ketchup there. Wait, what? What's their ketchup then? Like they have ketchup too, but they have it on every table, like really? at every restaurant, like whether it's Asian or like regular, like anything, it's everywhere. It's nuts. No I, and I had never seen it before yeah. that. 
and it, so like i i love it now i put it on like salmon like i'll put it on chicken Ooh, i like that yeah i, I gotta find that yeah all right noted Try to think like what is what is australian cuisine like what's there do they have like a staple thing like, like english there's a lot of asian food there okay. obviously yeah, it's so close so close too. um so there's like yeah i mean there's a bunch of um they they call hibachi tapanyaki mm-hmm. which i believe is like the like british word for hibachi i don't know okay. why we have two different asian words for yeah. those two things even though they seem beyond thing. me but that's like a big thing there um but yeah like i said well and you mentioned too like it's so close to asia yeah they get so many people that travel there and like immigrate there so it's kind of just built in but yeah it's mainly like english like same as here damn not like overly different damn just kangaroo i would say that's kind of like the crazy was that any thing. good I, my brother had it when he was there and he said it wasn't the worst thing it wasn't that bad i so like the first week i got there i was like i'm like i'm here yeah i'm gonna buy kangaroo i'm gonna cook it i didn't know how to like cook it like mm-hmm. you're supposed to cook it like kind of rare mm-hmm. i just like cooked it and i like actually overcooked it so it like tasted not that great okay and then um one of my australian friends took us out to dinner well i shouldn't say take took us out to dinner we went out to dinner with him he and we didn't make him pay for everything (laughs) but anyways so and i had it there okay um and it was a lot better i kind of like have you ever had venison like deer yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of similar to that if that makes sense yeah um it's kind of more like gamey yeah it's gamey um yeah it's an interesting uh interesting taste all right I kind of want to get your, how many like weird animals and meats have you uh, tried before? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to think of like weird ones that I've had that like frog legs have a, I've had those alligator, yeah. um, in Florida. Yeah. Um, but I've had Buffalo before, like Buffalo jerky. Okay. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like other weird, like semi exotic animals that I would have that would not be. Stereo- like I feel like venison's a pretty like yeah. people have had it before. Um, not I'm trying to think wild boar, but that's very. Oh like, yeah, I've I've had boar. That's what that's on my bucket list right now. Is I want to go uh, wild boar hunting in Texas. Really? Yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> is that like? Um, have you ever? Do you watch the show Succession at all? Yeah. You have you seen it all? I've no. I'm like half. I'm like just finished the first season. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a little late to the to the party on that one. So I'm like. What is it? Two seasons behind now? Three okay. Se- well, there's a scene where they go boar hunting. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. Okay. Well, I won't spoil it because that. Okay. We but, won't talk about no, that. No. But I mean, there's. Mul- it seems cool. There are multiple ways to do it, but um, like there, the two main ways are they like you go out in a field at night with like a thermal scope, mm-hmm. and you just since they're like a fair since they're like um, what's the word I'm looking for like not even a, I mean, there's feral hogs. So they just like are an invasive species and just have been ruining Texas farmland. Yeah. So you go in with like, like a, an AR or like a, like an AR 16 or whatever. And you just have a thermal scope on it. You find them and you just tag as many as you can. Um, or what the other cool thing that I really want to do, but costs a lot of money is you go up in a helicopter and you find these packs <laughs> and you fly right over them and you just buzz them all down with like a gun. That's what I want to do is on the bucket list. And then also uh, I want to go python hunting in the Florida Everglades. Python hunting? Yeah. I haven't heard of that. Same thing. Invasive species. It's like it's like when people like buy these pythons or whatever, mm-hmm. think they can keep them as a house pet and they get massive and they just release them into Florida where it's like 
where they don't have any like predators. They just go around like ruining the mm. wildlife and ecosystem. And so there are a few people that are like, I've been trying to get, trying to get in contact with a few people to take me Python hunting in the Everglades. But same thing you, um, that one's a lot harder, but you just go into these ever, like these mangroves yeah. and you just look for them or you do it at night in the summer when it's really hot and they go into the road or they go right in like the, uh, spillways, like the storm spillways and you just find them and you catch them, you're barehanded them. It's the coolest thing. Those are the two things that I really want to do. Interesting. Yeah. That makes me think of a story. Um, so do you know the podcast radio lab? I've, I've heard of it. Never, never listened to okay. one of their episodes. Yeah. So I think I want to say it was a radio lab episode. This is like going back a couple of years I listened to, but anyways, it was talking about how there's kind of similar to what you said about like the invasive species. Yeah. And there's, so there's this big like show, like trade show, I would guess would mm-hmm. say. And so every year these people go and they auction off, like you can kill a lion, like you can kill these like exotic animals. And one of them is the black rhino, which is like, I don't know if you'd know, but it's like, it, it's like the number one most endangered yeah. species in the world. Thought, yeah. They're like less than like 10 of them left or something. Right. Something like that. Yeah. And so one of the things up to bid was to kill this rhino. And this guy paid like millions of dollars, yeah. or whatever he, I think he was, some Texan, maybe that's stereotyping. Yeah. I don't know, but it's someone from America. Um, and he won this. And so this, uh, like journalist went in and just talked to him. Yeah. And so it was kind of interesting. Cause obviously me hearing that, um, like I grew up, my dad hunt hunted, like I would go yeah. out with him, like I've shotguns and stuff. So like, I'm familiar, like my friends have hunted, um, but anyways, so like you kind of go into it and you're like, this guy's fucking psycho. Like what he's like, kill it. Like, yeah, he's like, especially when it's like a such an endangered yeah. animal, like screw, you know, I feel like automatically I'd go in. I'm like, screw this guy. Yeah. I hate this guy automatically. So you talk, so they talk to him and like, the, you can tell the interviewers kind of like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Yeah. And so they kind of talk about it. And so he kind of explains his position where he actually like loves animals and like, yeah. especially he loves rhinos and his whole thing was one he's giving millions of dollars that millions of dollars going into the conf- conservation of these animals okay so that's a good thing yeah we can both agree yeah, yeah. i mean obviously killing that animal is not mm. necessarily a good thing and then he also said that they're very strict about what type of rhinos he that he can kill so it has to be males that can't reproduce. Okay. And are, are essentially, the way he explained it, which, again, you kind of have to, like, because he's going to kill the animal. Yeah. So you kind of have to, like, be like, okay, well, does this guy know what he's talking about? But he explained it as if, so these males that, like, can't reproduce mm-hmm. are very angry. So they not only kill other females that could also reproduce, uh, okay. but they kill, like, younger rhinos and they do a lot of damage to the local people Mm -hmm. whether it's like damaging fences or houses or like even trampling people and so that in turn makes the locals like hate the animals okay interesting so he was essentially saying that like this is like a good thing that he's going damn he's paying this money to preserve like by killing this rhino it's actually going to help like the current rhinos living and then it'll also help like the people's sentiment. So it was one of those things like 
where you just go into it with like blinders the on worst, and like you're negative, just yeah. like fuck this guy like this guy's nuts like what is he doing but then like after kind of listening to him you're like huh and like i've like i've gone back and forth on this thing like so many yeah. times like i still don't really know necessarily what's right because like we were talking about war earlier like yeah. a human killing another human like a human killing an animal i mean we eat animals every single day exactly but is that necessarily like morally right yeah or like can you justify it when it's an endangered species at that level of like endangered when they're clearly like it's going to be extinct yeah. sooner rather than later like if that's inevitable like how can you justify that in like that terms and i think um, i think it's different for like um like i guess feral hog or like an invasive species where they're like clearly not providing anything to society yeah and, and they're and hurting a, everything and they're hurting the entire like farmers other wildlife like clearly multiple like system mm. like multiple like uh, systems of the environment that they're in um but it's crazy like i guess the, his thought process of like being a big game hunter in that aspect when it's that like when he's paying millions and millions of dollars for that um that's crazy yeah i know it's just like it's one of those stories that really makes you like question everything yeah <laughs> damn is this real life that is crazy holy shit yeah um but okay so we went on a really long tangent but the reason i ask about the like exotic meat and stuff and this is gonna be very vermont of me to come out i'll say i'm from vermont yep. so i would go to these like big game suppers it was what it was called oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was in like a church i don't really know if there's like a, anywhere like else. an american legion like you know there's like uh like a moose club yeah same thing yeah and so there would be like rabbit stew and like moose meatballs which yeah are delicious there'd be like bear yeah um venison obviously i'm trying to think of some other ones I'm trying to think of other like um smaller i think rat yeah you already said rabbit that was kind of the only thing i could really think of but no i know exactly I what think you're talking there about. was squirrel there but i don't think i ever had that because i was like oh chipmunks they're <laughs> cute um but yeah it's just like it's weird because we don't think of those animals as like eating animals yeah because it's like obviously like chicken and cow like yeah pretty standard like everyone has it fish too i mean even um, with some more like not even exotic but like pheasant or like duck like everyone's mm-hmm. had it. Like, the one i really want to have but i i haven't done yet squab pigeon meat it's called squab yeah i've heard i've i have a friend that went squab hunting only because like i look around the city of boston or like new york <laughs> and i'm like what the hell like who the hell's eating these but they're a completely different breed of yeah. pigeon <laughs> they're farmed correctly and not litter they're not eating the the waste of new york and boston people um yeah uh, yeah pigeon pigeons seagulls no oh, see Just. damn seagulls no sky rats <laughs> sky chickens <laughs> that's what they are they're waste uh but yeah i don't i've it's just like we and like also just like like horse meat like you'd be like oh you're, you're, yeah. you're eating horse it's like but like i don't know i think i mean obviously i kind of understand that because like um people have been riding horses since yeah like dawn of time which is going back to war that's a, like horses used so many horses used to die during war yeah like think about it like, that is crazy cavalry like that existed there's thousands oh, of horses on like a fucking battlefield yeah. and just getting slaughtered or just trampling people yeah 
but also like the rules of engagement, you're not supposed to kill a horse. Yeah, isn't it bad? Yeah, it's bad luck, right? Or it's just frowned well, upon. Yeah, I think it was like a rule in war is that you don't kill a horse. Yeah, because then you could take the horse and it'd be your horse, right? Yeah, I, think I don't. A- I don't know the rationale behind it, but like, it's like why? Why do these rules of war exist? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't help kill the horse. But, like, if I have a gun, I can just shoot you, and it's, like... <laughs> I think because maybe because the... I mean, yeah, human-human can do, da- like, damage to each other, but the horse could be an asset. Like, you could take that horse later on down the road and be like, all right, it's now my horse. Like, I now have a few horses to go into my next battle. <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. Probably. But then it's also, like, I feel like people were like, well, like, the horse, like, doesn't really have a choice. So it's, like... Yeah. But, like, someone being drafted to Vietnam, like, they didn't have a choice. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know what more is. It's a random tangent right now. (laughs) This is going back way too long. Should we wrap it up for everyone's everyone's sake? Still here, yeah. You got any Mm. final good stories or anything uh, you need to ask me? No, I think we've touched on everything. I think this pod has gone close to three hours. Hell yeah! Not by far, but is definitely the longest one to date. Um, did you enjoy yourself? I, I enjoyed this, man. This is awesome. This yeah. is I think my first podcast experience, but I I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's fun to talk. Yeah. Um, thank you for everyone who made it to the last. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Someone if you're actually listening to this and you have my number, please text me because No, if if you are listening to this right now and you've listened this far, um, I will Venmo you fifteen bucks if <laughs> all you have to do is just Venmo request me pigeon. And you will get $15 from me. And if you don't know me or well, you can, oh, good plug for the social. You can follow me on Instagram, Avery.andfriends, or Twitter, uh, Avery underscore friends. And yeah, reply reply to like a post or something and said you listened to everything. And Will will Venmo you $15. This, I guarantee this is true. you that. This is also going to be in a limited quantity. Um, so if a couple. We'll, we'll say the first what the first person to do it let's do like the first yeah let's say the first five people okay yeah <laughs> that'll that'll yeah first five people to make it this far so which has been going on a while you gotta you gotta be the right venmo word though so yeah okay and again follow me avery dot and friends on instagram avery underscore friends on twitter and we'll see you next week any last words will No, thanks for having me. See you next week. All right. Peace. Go dogs.